This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 2001 for Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. Adam Hall. Nico DiGregorio. Hanging in there, pal? Yeah, I'm doing fine. How are you? Um, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm buckling in for what is sure to be a very bumpy podcast today. Oh god! <laughs> Why would it be a bumpy podcast? What are, what are we going to disagree on things? I just have a feeling it's going to be rough. Okay. I don't know this for a fact, but I yeah. suspect it. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. That, that gives me some clues because this was a very much a, a podcast predicated by yours truly here. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I made this decision. It was a golden opportunity because I have been inspired because you know in in wake of the coronavirus uh i don't know what the channel is but they have been marathoning the shit out of the harry potter movies and oh I'm is like, that right yeah and i've been watching every single one of them over and over again and i'm like oh okay this is a perfect opportunity to sneak in 2001 for nico and finally make him watch harry potter and the sorcerer's stone for the first time in his entire life yeah um Okay, I'm I'm just gonna say this now, and then we'll we'll get to actually my thoughts on the movie in a second. Oh God! Um, but yeah, this is a pretty big week, and I'm mad at you. I'm really mad at you. Why? Well, you know that great line from the John Cusack movie High Fidelity, where what? Uh, you know, uh, you are uh, who you are is not what defines you; it's what you listen to that defines you, what you like <laughs> that defines you. Yeah. Right. It, it's this idea that like and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago on why is this a thing like your fandom, your interests are mm. a way of sort of shaping your identity in a way. Yeah, you're and right. At least for people like you and I, yeah. um, what we consume, what we extol the virtues of defines like who we are as a person. And I guess that's a bad way of thinking about the world, but it is <laughs> the web that we have weaved for ourselves nonetheless. Well, certainly in the 21st century <laughs> right so i'm a big movie fan yes i, I, know. I you know this about me because i host several movie podcasts mm-hmm. and i love watching movies and that's often one of the first things that's mentioned about me when i meet someone for the first time oh nico loves movies i don't often like say that i don't advertise the fact that i love movies but people will often say that about me oh you got to talk to nico about his love of movies and so i i would say without fail 95% of the time when I meet someone for the first time and they talk to me about movies, the name Harry Potter comes up. <laughs> Undoubtedly yes. comes up as if yep. it's fucking Citizen Kane, by the way, <laughs> like Harry Potter is mentioned in the same breath as Casablanca for some people, or at least in the vein of Casablanca. Like, hey, you love movies? Well, I'm going to now talk to you about the greatest movie ever made, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> yeah am i off on this i feel like that's the way that most like plebeians talk about harry potter I, well I, I suppose i think if they took a scholarly examination at all this they would shut themselves up immediately if they said that yeah i don't i don't think they actually believe that they just it's just it's one of those fan groups that is very pervasive and very vocal um and uh is still quite active to this day 
but you know, I, I, it, that's just what fandom does to people. I don't necessarily think they're saying it's the best movie ever made, though, even though it could be one of their favorite things, just in general. Okay, fine. And I understand that most people have not seen any of the movies on the AFI Top 100 list or, you know, know what the National Film Registry is or, sure. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get it. I, I understand not everybody is Martin Scorsese. But they undoubtedly bring up the name Harry Potter, and I hit them from the top rope. I just jump off the top rope with one of the greatest, one of my finest lines, I think, which is, I have never seen a Harry Potter movie, nor read a Harry Potter book. I have no idea the difference between Slytherin and Gryffindor. Don't know what the Cloak of Invisibility is. Don't know who the hell Dumbledore is. None of this. And they respond as though I had just stomped a baby kitten in front of them. And here's the thing. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily call me call myself like one of like like because I know a few of like the Harry Potter fans and I wouldn't call myself one of those. That being said, it is pretty outrageous that you have never seen a single one. I know it's outrageous, which is why I say it. And it's why I love saying it, because I love getting the reaction from people like you or anyone that I meet. I love the, oh, my God, we have to watch it right now. And I go, eh, no, I'm good. Here's the thing about me, people. I hate being left out of the loop on things. I hate it. (laughs) You know this about me. I don't like missing sporting events. I don't like being behind on the news. Mm -hmm. I am an avid consumer of Twitter and other forms of social media. I love being in the loop. I love knowing a lot about a lot. Yes. Harry Potter is, I think, the only beloved cultural institution that I have ignored for 20 years of my life Mm -hmm. and not felt any regret about it. Because it's wizards and magic? I don't know why, but I know that it is a miracle. It is the only thing that everyone across the board loves that I am indifferent to. It is not the case with Game of Thrones. It is not the case with Star Wars. It is not the case with Star Trek, even. You know what I mean? Like, I need to at least know a little bit about Star Trek. I need to know a little bit about Lord of the Rings. I need to know a little bit about this and that. Because I would argue at this point in history, Harry Potter is big than at least bigger than at least two of those. Fair. Fair. All I'm saying is um, I I had no knowledge of it whatsoever, and I was okay not having knowledge of it. And that, I think, is a level of zen that I have never been able to achieve. Yeah. You, Adam Hall, broke my zen this week. I did. You did. (laughs) Because now I cannot go on in life claiming to have never seen a Harry Potter movie. That part of my identity is destroyed forever. There is no oh, returning as, from this. As as if this is like a, a big blow to, to, to who you are. Oh, it is. It's a huge I, blow. I, it I'm is one of the that. most interesting things about me. <laughs> yeah, at this point, there's just nothing interesting about Nico. It's, it's it. This is the only thing I had, man. It's the, oh only, it's the only pickup line I have at the bar now. You can't say like, oh, I'm proud of myself. This is a big milestone for me. It's not a you, milestone. The milestone was not watching them. I think that's what you don't realize. <laughs> The mild, as as the most curious human being that you know, I think, or at least the has the the broadest knowledge base. Perhaps not the most knowledge, but certainly the broadest view of culture of yes. anyone you know. Is that fair? I, I yeah, sure. Right. I, do you know anyone that is more interested in more things? Reality television, uh, <laughs> classic Hollywood films, rap music, everything. 
sports, politics, everything. Harry you Potter could, was my only blind spot. Yeah, you, you could stand to bone up on your theater and I don't know your marine biology, you know, fair, stuff like that. Fair, um, but, Adam. Fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you know, you're interested in a fair few of things. And it didn't bother me that I didn't know anything about Harry Potter. Yeah. And now I watch the first one. And again, we'll talk about my thoughts when we get there. But it, it just feels like a, a part of me has died this week. And I blame you. I blame I'm you. I'm fine. It's not the worst thing I've done. Let's be fair. It's pretty damn close, man. I, I don't no. I don't I don't like that. I have I've lost this. I don't I don't like it. I feel unpure because there's a few directions this could go. I, and I'm thinking about it now. Mm. And I the only <laughs> I, I guess we'll talk about the movie. We'll talk about the movie and I'll I'll explain why I think the direction could be could make you could make you even more upset with me. Yeah, we will talk about it when we get there. Um, okay. There are a few things that I wanted to discuss with you first before we start talking the movies of 2001. Okay. Um, I watched a movie this week. Oh, did you? Catching up on the films of 2019. Okay. It was called Yesterday. Oh, I saw Yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah, I have. Did we talk about it? Yeah, I mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Danny Boyle directs. Mm-hmm. Richard Curtis writes... Um, it's a pretty bad movie, but I, I, I <laughs> no, it's not. I, I'm actually pretty fascinated by it because it's I, not that I don't think there's ever been a movie that I wanted to like more, but I liked less than this. I'm not. No, I'm not quite there with you. I think it's perfectly charming. It's not like a great film by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's a. I mean, it's a wonderful like flip it on, just kind of have a, a fine time. I mean, it's not really challenging anybody. It's not exactly the kind of movie that's I don't know made to. Uh, change your perception on on say like I, I don't know like music or even the Beatles for that matter but I mean it works for what it is I'm, okay that's sure. a problem though what that's oh that's not challenging you enough yes I think actually that's one of my my uh, biggest complaints about the movie mm-hmm. is that the script was just so surface level yeah and I, I just found it like a real case of wasted potential <laughs> here's what you got with this movie Danny Boyle who I don't like love i don't think like the last 10 years of danny boyle's career has been great but i certainly like a lot of stuff that danny boyle has made yeah um you got lily james who is just oozing with charm Mm -hmm. oozing with charm and is so easy to fall in love with as the female lead you have kate mckinnon who steals the movie no, she doesn't. She's fucking terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I hated her in the movie. Whoa. She's by far the worst part. Hey, hey, Don't even hey. get me started. Are you what serious? Are you? Oh, my God. She sucks. She's objectively horrible in the movie. Are you serious? If there's anything, if there's anything that I, I hated about the movie, the only thing I hated about the movie was honestly her. Every time she's on screen, I wanted her off. Every single line she said, I wanted it to be cut. Every single inflection she made, every single scene, it just never worked. It sucked. Kate McKinnon was bad in this movie. Full stop. I, I, what's your argument? I seriously thought she stole this thing. Oh, God. I thought she, I thought she was the best part of the movie. No, most of my... <laughs> that did- is crazy. Most of my... Did- Again, see, I understood the movie for what it is 
pretty quickly. I mean, it's a matter of preference if you wanted the movie to be a little more challenging in that way, but it's clearly not trying to be, and that's okay. Not all movies need to do that, and there are plenty of other musical films that have done that and cool. Just go watch, I don't know, Almost Famous if you want. But like for again, for what this is, it's it's perfectly good. It works. And I mean, the, honestly, the only thing that felt out of place was her. Every laugh I had in this movie was at her. Oh God! Every I laugh. Hated her. She there's zero. She's doing laughs. yoga at her beach house in Malibu. Oh, it's so stupid, man. It was the best. No, it's. We're not. gonna make you a lot of money. Then we're gonna take all that money. That's oh, so dumb. Oh my it's God! So, I li- I really I can't believe we're at this inflection point. I thought she was she, great. She needs to like pick a different note. Change it well, up. Well, she kind of has bit. the one note, but I think she does the one note really well. Oh, it's remarkably flat and boring. I'm just like, who the fuck are you? Get okay, out of here. Let's not get hung up on this. I do want to talk <laughs> about it a little more in depth. Um, I love this idea. When I yeah, heard this idea, I thought it was an ingenious idea. It's one of those things that I wish I had thought of it. And it is actually one of those scripts. And again, I like the work of Richard Curtis. I really like uh, Love Actually. I really like the movie About Time from a few years ago. Never saw that one. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I like the work of Richard Curtis a lot. I almost nominated a Richard Curtis movie uh, this year, Bridget Jones's Diary. Um, okay. But I, I kind of wish that he gave me a crack at the script. Really? <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish that I could go in. If I had this idea, I feel like, I don't know, I would have I gone a little further with this. I'm not saying I'm, I'm a screenwriting talent the likes of Richard Curtis, but I kind of wanted someone who loved the Beatles a lot to write about the Beatles. Okay. And I just felt like Richard Curtis was more interested in the rom-com elements and was more interested in, in exploring fame and celebrity than he was the music of the Beatles. Yeah. Well, that's definitely true. And I mean, I mean, what did you expect? I guess is the thing. I I guess I was wrong. I, I guess. Yes. My expectations were too high. But yeah, I, I just don't know why this had to be a movie about the music of the Beatles. You're I mean, right. this, this could have easily been uh, Satisfaction, the story of a man that steals the music of the Rolling Stones. No, but you're, <laughs> you're, it's the same movie, right? No, you're right about that. But again, it's I mean, tonally, it works as, as a film more about the Beatles, you know, in that way. That's that's what kind of worked for me. And I guess, you know, in, in that spiritual sense, it made a lot more sense. But it is really just a choice where they're just where they're like, we're going to use this rom-com element and use the 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 carpet as that premise and that's the about Beatles it. thing was a plot device it wasn't a theme and I think that's no. what bothered me the most about it um, spoiler alert there's a scene in this movie where uh, the main character Jack played by Himesh Patel meets John Lennon who because the Beatles have not existed ever survives all of these years he was never assassinated for his art mm-hmm. um, and I thought that was like a really brilliant idea but their conversation is just nothingness. It's just rom-com bullshit. You know, John Lennon is just Yoda speaking in like vague philosophy. Yeah. He's, he's not actually saying anything of note. Um, and I just thought the movie through and through had very little to do with the Beatles. And that's such a disappointment because I really liked the first hour of this movie when uh, Jack is discovering that he uh, lives in a universe without the Beatles and he starts performing these songs and he becomes famous. It's yeah. a very, uh, by the way, inaccurate representation of what being famous looks like. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there are these great scenes where he's playing the Beatles songs in front. Like he plays yesterday for his friends for the first time and they're just moved to tears. And one of the things I was struck by 
is how timeless all of these songs feel. Yeah, and it does that very well. It certainly encapsulates those ideas in terms of like how powerful and important this music is to people. But but I mean, why that though is the question? Why? And the movie never gives us the why. I mean, maybe I should watch. I've only seen it the once, uh, and I I mean. I'm not sure I, I felt like it didn't give us a why necessarily. I mean, there's there's that there's the scene where the people who um, also are recognizing the fact that the Beatles used to be a thing come to him and they're like, yeah, we thought we were the only ones. And that felt like it maybe had a little bit more to say about that, the sort of impact of these icons. But all they say, though, is, oh, yeah, we like the songs. Thank God you brought it back to us. Yeah, you I know, sort I'm- of like I don't know. I kind of like the sim- simplistic nature of that, though where it's just, it's just something about it affects us on, on a level that we don't necessarily have the time to explain, but we something in us just tells us we love it. It could be a little more but engaging. it's like not you, that, though. Because here's the thing. By the end of the movie, there are these cringeworthy news clips yeah. featuring Jack's character, um, and they describe him as, like, the man that wrote 200 great songs. No man has ever written this many great songs. <laughs> and it's like, what does great mean? You know what I mean? It's all just vague. Like, he's famous. He writes great music, and now he's famous. And they what, don't go what, beyond that. What are, you, what are you expecting out of this movie? What did you I expect? I want something to- a little more probing. I don't know. It's not that kind of film. Clearly not, but I wanted it to be. Well, so what? It's not. Get over it. It's a different kind of movie. Yeah, it's just corny and cheesy. And that last 20 minutes is so cringe. It the gets, concert the- scene is awful. Yeah, the last the last third is is the, certainly the weakest part, as it is for most movies. But I really enjoyed the first like I don't know hour and a half. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and that's the the better majority of the film. It doesn't start to get a little. Yeah, where does the movie get off? By the way, being two hours long, I don't know. Well, Explain that okay. to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not so bad. Two hours is not bad. There get should over be a yourself. law. No movie like this should be over ninety minutes. <laughs> Come on, dude. It maybe overstays its welcome, Come but again, it does. It doesn't start to to wane on me again until the ending. As like I said, and that's no surprise. But as it is, it's a perfectly I don't know fun and charming movie. As I love I, I love the music stuff. The rom com yeah. elements just really bothered me. I just thought that it became way too generic by the end of it, um, and way too corny. And I really think that it was wasted potential. You're probably um, I, right. I really like the talent involved here. And I, I thought the movie had a real chance to say something profound about the music of John Lennon and Paul McCartney. You know, it I had think a you're... real opportunity to do that and it didn't. No, I think you're right about that. I just think that what we got was perfectly fine. You know, if you just take it as it is, if you take away the fact that, oh, it could have been so much more, it's like, okay, fine. But what, what did we end up getting anyway? You know, it's, it's, it's hard not to, find something to like in this movie it's a solid cable movie <laughs> yeah it's, it's a tv movie yes it is. it's a tv movie um oh i wanted to bring this up to you oh god <laughs> what happened in my notes you haven't seen anything recently have you i, I, I said uh, i told you on the other podcast i saw honey boy uh yeah. which is really good uh i should really what the hell else did i watch Oh my god! I know I saw something else new. I should really just reference my letterbox now mm. and get a better understanding of what I have and haven't seen recently. So, but yeah, that's the most recent thing that I saw that was uh, of 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 merit. What else? I, I did pa- want to bring oh. up. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Paddington Two. I watched. No way! And I loved it. <laughs> Is it really that good? 
as a, okay, I mean, it hit my like good mark. Like I gave it three and a half stars. But it's like if if you don't enjoy this movie, I mean, that's just what it is technically for me. It's hard not to like be completely warmed by the movie. The reviews for it seem like it's Godfather Two, though. I will admit, like it is one of the. The, the surprisingly highest rated movies I've ever seen that doesn't deserve anywhere near the, the, the praise that it got. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so, it's like every cliche in the book. It's the most unbelievably predictable thing you could possibly imagine. But again, it's like, it's charm is undeniable and it's heart is undeniable. And these characters are so sweet. And I, I was watching, I was like, damn it. You know, if, whoever doesn't like love this movie has a problem. <laughs> Have you seen whoever, the original? Yeah, I like the original a lot too. Which one's better? I think this one. Wow. Yeah. I hear Hugh Grant's amazing in it. Oh my God, you would love it. Okay. Hugh Grant is off the chain. I mean, in that the movie. piques my interest enough, Hugh Grant being good yeah. in a movie. Oh, I forgot to say a big thing. I saw Saturday Night Fever as well. Oh, word. Finally watched it. It was great. Really good, right? Really, really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, not what you expect out of a movie like that. You expect it just to be like a Bee Gees music video for two hours, but it's way closer to Mean Streets. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's a disgusting fucking movie. And I think that was more surprising than anything. Yeah. So. Really good. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to bring up uh, Selena Gomez put a, uh, a recommendation list on her Instagram this week. Oh, God. Of movies to watch. <laughs> Okay. Everyone's doing this now. Everybody's Roger Ebert. Apparently they're just recommending movies for you to stream. Good for them. Uh, I thought this, this might tickle you. Okay. So here, here are Selena Gomez's recommendations. Invisible man. Mm -hmm. Jennifer's body. Oh God. (laughs) Uh, American hustle. Okay. Uncut gems. (laughs) Interesting. Clueless. Okay. Sugar and Spice. Yeah. Do you know what Sugar and Spice is? No. I think it's like a 2001 rom-com. Could she pick anything pre-1999 or whatever the hell it is? We'll get there. After the Wedding. Okay. That's a movie from last year with Julianne Moore that no one heard of. She is such an idiot. Okay, wait for it now. Wait for it. I want you, by the end of this list, there are three more items left. I want you to give me a rating A to F on Selena Gomez's film taste. All right? So, so far, again, let's recap. Invisible Man, Jennifer's Body, American Hustle, Uncut Gems, Clueless, Sugar and Spice, After the Wedding. Okay. All right, so so far, what are we at? We're in an, a solid F. F! Yeah. Oh, solid. I'd give I'd give it a C minus. A solid F. Oh, come on. There's some good ones on there. That's <laughs> not sticking, an F yet. I'm sticking to the F. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. We'll get there. Okay, next. <laughs> Flirting with disaster. F. <laughs> David O. Russell. Oh, come on. <laughs> I think that's David O. Russell's first movie, right? I never seen it. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go. Last two. Okay. Election. <laughs> Still an F. Where are we at? Oh, come on. We're at an F minus now. One more. Ready? What? Zodiac. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Selena Gomez. (laughs) 
<laughs> Be honest. Where are we at? Where are we at? In summation, yeah. It's a D minus. Oh, come on. It's not perfect. She's not sat through all of Zodiac. She she had to I get up she has. at, at least she 10 has. times. She did not commit herself the entire three-hour way through. I think it's possible that no human being on the face of the planet has a more eclectic film taste than Selena Gomez. I don't think that's eclectic at all. I would <laughs> call it very eclectic. I would call it very specific and very predictable. Dude, Aside- Zodiac and Jennifer's body in the same list? Jennifer's body doesn't surprise me at all. Zodiac, <laughs> uh, that's the most surprising, I would say. Election and Zodiac? So. Come on, bro. No. Give the girls some credit. Dude, I no, want to hang with t- Selena Gomez in the isolation. Oh, no. That that was that was one of the worst recommendation lists I've ever seen in my life. That is... With the exper- there, was a, there was a fair few exceptions, which are, like, kind of cool. Um, but for the most part, yeah. Total shit. That's my rating. Apparently, Selena total Gomez is also a fan of the podcast. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Uh... Fan of the uh, the music of Roddy Rich, okay. JP Sachs, yeah. The music list is a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more niche, I would say. Yeah, that's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this list. I swear to God. Oh God, that's a terrible. terrible I kind of want to marathon all ten of these. I'm not gonna uh, lie. Jennifer's body is horrible. Uncut Gem Zodiac and Election. Come on, dude. You're Election. calling Selena Gomez. She's got Uncut Gems next to Sugar and Spice on her recommendation list. You don't call that eclectic? Nope, I don't. Like I said, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, it's painfully obvious. As I, far thought, as I'm I, I thought you'd be more excited by this. No. <laughs> Zodiac is weird. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Zodiac is weird. Sorry to hear that. I just want to watch Uncut Gems with Selena Gomez. Yeah, of course. That's all that piqued your interest. That's what I want to do when that's, I die. That's literally it for you. If I get Corona, I'm calling Selena Gomez like a Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> just sit down, watch Howard Ratner with me, and you will not make a move. I'm gonna explain what a parlay is to Selena. Oh God, she probably knows what a parlay is. Let's be honest. She's betted. All right, 2001. Yes, yes, yes. Here are the films nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. Spirited Away, A Beautiful Mind, Mulholland Drive, Ocean's Eleven, The Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Doing that one last? Hell yeah. Shit. Okay. <laughs> um, I would call this a, uh, a decent movie year, although I have um, recently gone through some of the years from that decade and uh, I think the 2000s are the worst film decade of all time. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the first half of the 2010s are pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, but the back half was really good. Well, 2017 was not good. 2018 was not good. 2019 2018, was... 2017 was very good, first of all. Was it? 2017 was excellent. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. That was Get Out and Lady Bird. Yeah, okay. Dunkirk. Eh. Eh. And twenty nineteen was amazing. No, yeah, I, I'm 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 really down on the early two thousands. I every time I look at the films of the early two thousands, I'm discouraged. Sure. I don't know what happened this decade, but not particularly good. <laughs> uh highest grossing movie of that year, 
uh, worldwide was actually Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That doesn't surprise me. Lord of the Rings is two. Mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc. is three. Shrek is four. Yep. And Ocean's Eleven is five. Do you know that Shrek won the Palme d'Or? What? I just huh? found that out. Huh? Yeah. That is the weirdest decision <laughs> they've ever made. I don't I didn't know this, but like Shrek came out in two thousand one and the film world was like, yo, animation has changed. I love Shrek, don't get me wrong, and I think it's fantastic, but uh that is a that's the most bizarre award I've ever heard of in my life. In terms of, or that's the weirdest award recipient I've ever heard of in my life. It won the Palme d'Or. It won the first ever Best Animated Film Oscar. Uh, AFI gave it Movie of the Year. Yeah, Shrek. <laughs> Shrek's. I mean, Shrek's dope. And now we look at it, and it's you know. Somebody once told me that <laughs> it's only Smash Mouth. Is that that's what a terrible legacy? It's just Smash Mouth and nothing else. Look, I like Shrek as much as the next guy. I don't think it's great cinema, though. I do. I actually do think it's great cinema. Really? Yeah, I think it's. I, I was actually annoyed that we didn't have it nominated. I don't. I just. It's not my choice for movie of the year, but it's 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 fucking awesome. It's Are Shrek, you serious? Dude. Yeah, I love Shrek. Do you like that better or Monsters Inc.? Shrek. Really? Yeah, I actually think Monsters Inc. is a little, little more flawed in most regards. As good as it is, it's not, it's not the best. Oh, I don't think I'm with you on that. I mean, I liked Shrek when I was a kid, but I look back on it now, and it's just fart jokes. <laughs> That's not true. Okay. Uh, best picture that year. Your nominees were Gosford Park, In the Bedroom, Lord of the Rings, Moulin Rouge. I didn't realize that got a best picture nomination. Uh, and uh, your winner was Beautiful Mind. Yep. By the way, Beautiful Mind, a tour de force, a powerhouse at the Oscars in 2001. How many did it win? Ron Howard wins Best Director. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Connelly wins Best Supporting Actress. Okay. It wins Best Screenplay and comes close to the sweep, but uh, Russell Crowe does not win Best Actor. That goes to Denzel for Training Day. And I'm pretty sure Roger Deakins was nominated, did not win. Okay. Haley Berry... Wins Best Actress for Monsters Ball. Uh, Jim Broadbent wins Best Supporting Actor for Iris. And uh, yeah, Gosford Park, Best Original Screenplay. Cool. So that's that. Honorable mentions. We talked about Shrek and Monsters, Inc. Uh, Donnie Darko was a (laughs) last-minute cross-off. Yes, rightfully so. Love that movie. I like it. really love that movie. It's weird. Man Who Wasn't There, Coen Brothers. Uh, I, now, that movie I really, really like. So underrated that it's now become properly rated, I think? Yes, I agree. So many people I, have called it underrated that it's now no longer underrated. I saw it very late. It's one of the, it's one of the last Coen Brothers films I ended up seeing. And uh, yeah, surpri- I, I, was, I mean, I never heard of it for like the longest time, and I, but I thought it was kind of great. Yeah, really good. Uh, yeah. Royal Tenenbaums, the only Wes Anderson movie like of his late period that I enjoy. Yeah, and it's the my only, least favorite. Yeah, the only non-Rushmore thing of Wes Anderson's that I like. And it is my least favorite Wes Anderson film. That is so weird. Yeah. Uh, Training Day. I'm, I'm getting very tired of that. It's my favorite of this director. Oh, it's my least favorite. Happens every single fucking time with us. <laughs> It'd be a horrible marriage, you and I. Oh my God. I can't stand it. Uh, Training Day. Really good. 
I think a movie that when it came out felt more significant than it ended up being. Oh God. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw that too. Like this movie appeared on actually a lot of, uh, like, like syllabi, if you want to call them that for, for our classes. And I never understood why. And even when we talked about it, I was like, is that really it? Yeah, I think the first time I saw it, I was very underwhelmed. It was so hyped up for me, and it was just sort of a silly action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much more than that. Denzel is awesome, um, and Ethan Hawke is actually really good, too, but I, I just think it's a little more disposable than people initially thought. Yeah, It's still really good. I, I really like the movie, but I don't necessarily think it's like great cinema. Yeah, uh, Vanilla Sky almost made you watch. I couldn't justify it, though. <laughs> One day! Yeah, 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 yeah. One day. Hannibal came out in 2001. Why are you even mentioning Hannibal? Stop it with Hannibal, Nico. It's not good. Never. (laughs) The original Fast and Furious came out that year. Yep. An important moment for cinema. It's okay. Yeah, it's not good, but whatever. Uh, Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius came out. Now now that's a great movie. (laughs) There's a good animated film. (laughs) Uh, Spy Kids. Oh, okay. Robert Rodriguez. Again, as a kid, I loved it. I bet if I watched it now, I would not. Uh, <laughs> Amelie, never seen. Oh, Amelie is the sweetest fucking movie you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh, one of these days. AI. AI. Uh, a movie that I actually, like, very polarizing. I don't really mind it, although it's got a, I acknowledge it's got a shit ton of problems, but the conversation around it is incredibly interesting, I think. I very much mind it. Um, yeah. I don't like what Spielberg did to Stanley's baby. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Spielberg <laughs> claims that he didn't change anything about Kubrick's script. Yeah. And I don't think he's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> this is your problem. You can never separate yourself from that stuff. I know. Bridget Jones's diary. I mentioned wet, hot American summer. Oh God. Oh, we will do that on. Why is this a thing? One of these days. Shallow Hal is a movie. I don't hate. I don't hate it fun enough for the time it's very offensive and i mean like purely (laughs) offensive it's like actually an offensive movie but like yeah it's got it's it's okay has its moments blow blow i need to like commit to blow i've i've seen most of it on tv like a lot but i haven't like actually watched it front to back black hawk down movie i really love yeah i love the first act Mm-hmm. Um, I love when you know shit goes down. Yeah, uh, Ridley. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, one I of think, his better. Go ahead. Well, it was one of his better like late period films that he did. I mean, because after that, I mean, there's not not a whole heck of a lot that's like great, great. Unfortunately, I think it's sort of been lost to the trash heap of like Middle East war movies. Yeah, I think I people guess. think about all the Bigelow stuff. Um, yeah and and this one is sort of ignored but it's it's very good yeah and uh oh man this is one of my favorites and i don't think you've seen it Itu mama tambien oh yeah i haven't seen that one yet coron oh my god it's so good mm-hmm. it's really 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 good i love that movie um yeah. but i think it's a little too small for what we're doing here so coron mm. uh, made a harry potter film he did yeah he did indeed mm-hmm. uh should we talk spirited away yeah, hell yeah. Let's do it. Directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Starring a bunch of people you've never heard of. Nominated, and in fact, won Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. 
the following year, not 2001, but 2002. It came out in America a year later. During her family's move to the suburbs, a sullen 10-year-old girl wanders into a world ruled by gods, witches, and spirits, and where humans are changed into beasts. I remember the New York Times did a list of the top 25 movies of the century. I think in 2017 they did this list. They named There Will Be Blood number one, and they named Spirited Away number two. I'm actually fine with that choice. Uh, This is a movie that I had not seen until just last night. Yep. I am not a huge anime guy. (laughs) Nope. Um, Just something about that aesthetic never did anything for me. Mm -hmm. I I don't like how those movies are cued. I don't like the the music. I, I just generally don't like the vibe of Japanese animation. Um... But this movie is fucking amazing, Adam Hall. Yes, it is. This is amazing. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> what do you want me to say? What happened to me last <laughs> night? <laughs> Was that a dream? Where did I go? So, yeah, no, we were talking about this on why is this a thing the other day. And Nick and I were d- s- discussing it with you briefly and one of the things that he and i both said was like it will be thoroughly disappointing if you don't like this movie Uh this is one of those like universally beloved films almost over like even forrest gump to an extent at this point there is something so rich and human about this movie that touches everybody's spirit who sees it and it's it would be shocking if i met someone who isn't somewhat affected by it i mean it is when I talk about movies that just like pull at your heartstrings in all the right ways while never feeling pandering that just get to the core of what we are all about as people, I just no, there are a few movies that do it as better than this. Yeah. Um, Ugh, I love it. Yeah. I, okay. So uh, l- let me take that uh, in two directions here. Um, I, I did not think that the story itself or the thematic stuff was particularly groundbreaking. I thought it was no. a pretty simple story about a little girl growing up. Yeah. Felt a lot like Pan's Labyrinth in that way. I was just about to say that, actually. It's so it's funny you bring that yeah, up. It I, felt like a, a less cynical version of a way, or in a way, of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and I think Guillermo has actually cited Spirited Away as an inspiration for Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is sort of a fairy tale about a little girl who is moving into a new house and all the uncertainty that comes along with that. Um, and it's all sort of uh, put metaphorically into this spiritual world. Yes. Uh, I did not find the story itself to be all that um, all that impressive. And I actually found like the third act stuff, particularly that moment where she's riding the dragon and the dragon oh, yeah. discovers his his name. He remembers his name for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like I just found that to be an emotional climax for a story that I wasn't following. Mm-hmm. It kind of it's almost like the movie answered a question I wasn't asking and all <laughs> yeah. of that stuff in the third act. I kind of found a little off putting like when she calls the woman granny. Um, yeah, it, all that stuff. I just I didn't care. Like I didn't care where the actual plot went. OK, I did find the journey, though, to be totally enveloping. Oh, God, and I, yeah. I, I, I think I was just struck by the vibe of this movie. Like this world is so fully realized and so Mm -hmm. well inhabited and it's just somewhere that i wanted to go the creatures are so inventive Mm -hmm. the imagery is so gorgeous i mean this is one of the most beautifully animated movies i've ever seen yep um and i think that's what it was more than anything else i just could have hung out in this world for four hours and i thought the story was neither here nor there 
I mean, it d- serves its purpose. It, it kind of reminds me of like the the Fury Road logic, where it's like there's nothing particularly special about that story per se, but the way they tell it is entirely what matters here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is just a, a, a magical coming of age journey that you get. And like you said, it's just, I mean, it's a lot of like that imagery that I, I it's oddly iconic now, like the stuff that I wouldn't have thought would have been iconic, mm-hmm. like no face and whatnot. Oh yeah. And just, and the, the, the ca- funny character arc with him and everything and, and, and how she changes just by helping her peers and whatnot. Uh, and the, the girl, not no face. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm trying to like track my history with the film because I saw it a little bit later and I'd seen some Hayao Miyazaki films before. And honestly, I think my neighbor Totoro might be my favorite, but that's more of a personal thing. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just, there is something more about like the, the, the setting I think that just makes it so impactful for me. I mean, it starts out wonderfully where it's just, it's about making a move and basically everything in her life changing changes, including her parents. And because of this newfound setting, like your world doesn't look the same and the people, you know, don't feel the same. And I just think that's a very prevalent theme. And I think it's something everybody can relate to. But again, it's sort of about how she overcomes that through like kind of crafting her own world and kind of, you know, I guess like, what's the best way I can describe it? Because it's a very... (laughs) Because it's very dependent on, I guess, how she interacts with this sort of mystical, fantastical world that she has to deal with. And I don't know. I it's it's You're right in the sense that I don't necessarily think it's a story that's groundbreaking, but there is something about seeing her react to all this insane stuff <laughs> that just, it's, it's kind of endearing for me, at least. Yeah. yeah uh, we're going to talk about Lynch a little bit later on in the program, as we mm-hmm. do quite often. Um, and I do think that this has that Lynch quality of... Uh, being a movie about a dream yeah and actually capturing the feeling that you have while dreaming you yes know, it, absolutely it, it, it's not so much the movie actually exists but you feel like it's in a dream uh yes. and uh that's a really hard thing to capture it's mm-hmm. a really hard thing to capture randomness like pure randomness <laughs> just your, your brain's firing synapses and and creating images that don't make sense but mm-hmm. still having like a through line and still keeping your attention uh, that's what Lynch does beautifully. Like he is able to communicate the the traditional story beats that you expect out of a Hollywood production, but also make you feel like you can't find your footing. Um, and and that is what this movie does. It is it just feels like a dream through and through. These mm-hmm. creatures feel like creatures that would only come out of a dream, and oh, perhaps God, yeah. they did actually come out of a dream. Yeah. Um, and that is the one thing that I will say in defense of the third act of this movie the climax just makes no sense to me. And I guess you could make the argument that it's dream logic and it's not supposed to make sense. Uh, I just feel like it's kind of lazy writing or perhaps something was lost in communication. Maybe it's, the I languages. mean, by the way, I watched the English dub version. I did not watch yeah. the Japanese version. I, here's the thing is that I always recommend watching the Japanese version and maybe it's better if you don't want to do all the reading and whatnot. Cause a lot of times when you, people end up reading the movie they'll find it boring and it's confusing to me yeah when that happens but then when they see the dub it's like oh it's so much fun and it's like well well that's why i wanted to do it when i do like uh live action movies i i don't do the dub that just comes across as corny to me it just feels like you know uh whose line is in any way sketch where they narrate over a piece of old silent film oh god yeah you know that that's what dubbed movies feel like to me i, I can just yeah. never sink in but with animation i am totally fine with it and i want to be able to like enjoy the animation and not have to worry about the dialogue so that's why i, I did it well it's so visual too that's the thing yeah. so yeah. If, if you weren't if you weren't allowed to enjoy that it would be 
you know, very off-putting. And it, it, again, it takes away from the experience. The, the point is to kind of soak yourself in this crazy but vibrant environment. Yeah. Um, so perhaps something was lost in translation. Perhaps I, I'm missing a, a few details. It might just be a cultural thing. It might not even be a language thing. It honestly usually is a cultural thing, I find. Yeah. But, but the thing is, what happens, though, if you watch the movies enough, if you see enough of these movies, it starts to make more sense to you. Right. Even if you can't articulate why it does, you sort of sink into the movie's groove. Yeah. I, I will just say that the journey and the imagery and the world was yeah. so enveloping and mm-hmm. so beautiful. And I did not expect to be this wrapped up in an anime ever in my life. And um, I was. And I thank you for nominating this because this is legitimately a phenomenal movie. Yeah, it's unquestionably a phenomenal film. I I mean, if you wanted to make the argument it's the best animated film ever, I'm not sure I would totally get there. It's certainly one of them. Um, I don't know if I would go there either, but it's close. Let me put it this way. If it was nominated or if it was inducted on some list as the best animated film ever, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm fine with that choice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't riot (laughs) or anything. It's because it's, it's, it's hard not to deny this, this movie's spirit and its heart. And yeah. And I like what you said as well about the, the randomness of the movie in terms of like how she uncovers the world and reacts to all this bizarre stuff that she's, she's dealt with and all the, all the bizarre people and creatures. And it's that sense where it's like, it doesn't make sense, but that's kind of what makes it make sense in a weird way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing that you were saying with Lynch and how he makes the insane stuff feel like it's deliberate and that it needs to happen that way. Correct. So. It's great. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Loved the first act. Love love that whole stretch where the parents are discovering the the amusement park. Oh, it's awesome. It's just so and, palpable. Like you feel a real sense of geography here and that's so rare in animation. Oh god, yeah. No, and and it's just it it just looks great though. As yeah. the other like you said, it just looks so so beautiful. And it's so detailed too. I mean, it's especially detailed when the movie needs to get more grotesque too, like when they become pigs and whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. And again, stuff that you'd never forget. And I miss that hand-drawn animation. I really oh, do. Great. There is such like a human touch mm-hmm. to the 2D hand-drawn stuff. Um, and yeah. I'm pretty sure Miyazaki drew most of those frames, right? I think, yeah, I think so. He's not only the director, he's actually the animator mm-hmm. on this thing. Um, I, I actually kind of want to go back and watch some Miyazaki. I'm not going to lie to you, Adam. Watch, well, My Neighbor Totoro is the next most accessible one. Okay. Which is a little like funnier and, and and charming. It's it's that one is even more of a kids film, I would say. But again, like very, it's something that I think adults or, or someone our age could still thoroughly love because it, it it packs a tremendous amount of substance into everything that's going on. And the voice, one of the voices is a uh, uh, Dakota Fanning. So there you go. Really, she's in my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, well, she does the American dub. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and I think her sister does because her sister um, is in it as well, Elle Fanning, but as like a baby. <laughs> How about Ponyo? I've not seen Ponyo. Okay. Yeah, but you got to do like Howl's Moving Castle or The Wind Rises. You know, a few of those. Wind Rises is more recent. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm glad I finally watched this. I will say, for years, I kept getting this movie confused with Spirit, the mm. movie about the animated horse. Because I had oh, like God. I had a friend in like the second grade who loved that movie. Yeah, 
And so she had it on VHS and like every time we like, you know, hung out, we watched that movie on VHS. And I always thought like, what's the big deal? Why does everybody love this movie so much? Is that the one where the horse is like on the island with the kid? Maybe. Maybe. Is, oh, no, no. It's, it's animated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's an animated movie. Oh, 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 oh okay, okay. No, it's, it's different then. Completely but I different. actually think it's a Japanese animation studio. Is it? Maybe. I don't know. I saw Spirit. I don't. Re- I mean, I don't remember a single thing about it. Yeah, I don't know, but whatever. Um, but it is not Spirited Away. Spirited Away is a far better movie. <laughs> well, thank God for that. Okay, uh, let's move on. Okay, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, starring Russell Crowe, Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly, Christopher Plummer, directed by Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. As we said, winner of a bunch of Oscars, uh, for Oscars to be specific. Uh, mm-hmm. Also nominated for Best Film Editing, Best Makeup, Best Original Score. No nomination for Deacons. No. Oh, really? That's weird. I thought yeah. he got one. After John Nash, a brilliant but asocial mathematician, accepts secret work in cryptography, his life takes a turn for the nightmarish. Um... I don't know if we've ever talked about this movie, you and I. So I don't know yeah. what your thoughts on it are. Okay. But this movie is just maple syrup to me. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, it is such Hollywood bullshit <laughs> at every turn. Everything about this movie is Hollywood bullshit. It is so derivative. True. It is a Ron Howard movie in the purest sense. And you know, my thoughts on Ron Howard. I normally hate movies like this about a real person that takes liberties with the truth, but for no like real purpose other than to, to, you know, make it more Hollywood. Yes. But for some reason I just eat it up with a silver spoon. Well, it's incredibly watchable. It's so watchable. It's, it's, it's a, it's a ton of fun. I mean, Ed Harris is very good. Jennifer Connelly is very good. And Russell Crowe is awesome in the movie. He's amazing in this movie. Awesome in the movie. How he didn't win is insane it's pretty crazy right because then the what, what was it the following year or the year before they gave it to him for um um gladiator, gladiator? right which, which is I mean, a, a far worse performance than this i mean gladiator he's not bad in gladiator at all but i mean next to this it's like it's not even close russell crowe has the weirdest career it's like him yeah. and john travolta have the weirdest careers in hollywood <laughs> that might be a fair assessment. I, like, what yeah, happened I mean, to Russell Crowe? He was the guy in the early 2000s. Oh, God, yeah. You well, have to understand. Just... Listen to this run. 99, The Insider. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Could be his best performance in The Insider. I think you're right. He's amazing in that movie. Doesn't win. Gladiator in 2000. Proof of Life in 2000. <laughs> uh, okay. Beautiful Mind in 2001. Uh, doesn't do any he does uh, Master and Commander in 2003 that's when it started coming off the rails Cinderella Man in 2005 which you don't like correct no I don't mind it okay I like Cinderella Man a lot um, and then after that it is total horseshit. he did American Gangster okay I like American Gangster a and lot and I guess 310 to Yuma I suppose I really like 310 to Yuma but there was a time where like Russell Crowe was Christian Bale Yes, that's very true. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was, like, the chosen one. He was mm-hmm. going to be Hollywood's next big leading man, but also, like, a convincing character actor. 
and I think in 2000, if you had said Russell Crowe is one of the five best actors living, people would agree with you. But I think a lot of actors like him sort of brushed up on that. He's not the kind of guy that seemed to revel in that level of fame. He had a very troubled past and uh, even to this day still have, has like legal issues all the time. He seems like someone that's probably also very difficult to work with. Yes. Certainly seems so. that way. Although I do like him a lot in The Nice Guys. Yeah, I don't really love The Nice Guys. Oh, I love The Nice Guys. I actually don't like The Nice Guys at all. Why? <laughs> yeah, I don't care for that movie. Oh, God. I Well, nice I have never great. been a Shane Black. I've never been a Shane Black guy. At all. I don't understand um, why. I think his dialogue's fucking awesome. Yeah, I don't know, man. I've, I've never liked the Lethal Weapon movies. I don't know why. It feels like a movie that I should love. That's a that's the weirdest one because I know like you don't like them at all. I love the first Lethal Weapon. I think it's a fantastic movie in every respect. Yeah, I saw that one and it did nothing for me. That's strange, man. And I thought I saw it at the right age. I was maybe like 16 when I saw it. Watch it again. Is it Mel Gibson? I think Mel Gibson's great in the movie. Man, if I didn't like it at age 16, I'm not going to like it at 25. I guarantee you. <laughs> well, that's not necessarily true. Um, yeah, okay. So fine. He's not bad in the nice guys. But look at all this other horseshit he did. The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Robin <laughs> the man, Hood. The Man with the Iron Fist. Oh, my God. Noah. Yeah. Man of Steel. Oh, God, that's right. Oh, Les no. Miserables is one of the worst performances of any actor I've ever seen. He's so bad in that movie. Mm-hmm. It was just terrible. So it's just such a weird career how quickly he fell off a cliff. I know. He had about a three-year run and that was it. That's what happens though. It's just the way it is. Some people just probably don't like him either. That happens. I mean, I know a lot of people who really don't care for Russell Crowe at this point in time. Yeah, maybe he's just not getting the roles. That's true. Um, you're right though. He, he's phenomenal in this movie. Um, and that is one of the reasons why it's so addicting. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't necessarily think it's a great movie and I would not have given it best picture in 2001. But I, I do think this is weird to say. A Beautiful Mind is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. It's not a bad movie at all. It isn't. You don't have to say it's a guilty pleasure. If you like the movie, there's nothing. You don't have to feel guilty about that. It is a good movie. Is it a great movie? I'm not sure. I'm not totally convinced of that. But it's it's like infinitely rewatchable. It's just a good thriller. Mm-hmm. But it's also a good psychological thriller. I mean, but also a... a the best way I could describe it is that if you're very young and you want to dip your toes into the most kid-friendly version of a psychological thriller, this is it. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. And then, you know, you could slowly work your way up to Black Swan. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is. It's, it is It is the it is the beginner level version of that kind of movie and it works very well at being that with some really great characters and it's like i said if you just want a a a solid entertaining cinematic experience it's it's it does all that yeah you know look i think one of the reasons why it has gotten criticism over the years is because it takes liberties with the truth um this is not how john nash's life really went down um i think the broad strokes are correct um, th- this is generally what the guy experienced. Um, I guess I can spoil the movie. This is all in his head. Everybody knows this, right? Yeah. Yeah. People know this is not actually a spy thriller. Um, that that's not actually what his schizophrenia looked like in real life. Um, and I also just think like the, the events of his personal life were, were changed to make it more Hollywood. 
But again, I don't mind it. I, I think what it is, the reason that I call it a guilty pleasure is that I normally don't like movies like this. I certainly don't like Ron Howard movies all that much. And I really hate like Bohemian Rhapsody a couple years ago. That movie offended me. You know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. liberties that that movie took with Freddie Mercury's life offended me. And okay. I hated how Hollywood that whole thing was. Yeah, more than anything, that's the biggest problem with that movie. Yeah, I, I think A Beautiful Mind is sort of cut from the same cloth, but for some reason it doesn't bother me. It's better craft, first of all. I, yeah, that's true. If Because the thing is, you can watch this movie for what it is. Like, you, if you're, you could watch it unaware of the fact that it's loosely based on reality and still enjoy it. You know, if I just watch this and said, oh, what's this fictional movie narrative that's being presented in front of me? I would still have a good time. It's like it's the story that they tell in this movie is just it just kind of works. Mm-hmm. It's nothing remarkable. It doesn't blow anyone anybody away. Um, it, it, it honestly checks off a lot of boxes. It's not the kind of thing that's like changing the wheel whatsoever, but it just it's it's good junk food. Yeah, you know. You know, it's good junk food. It has it, but not totally devoid of substance, but it is junk food. But I guess the question is, should this movie be junk food? Should a movie about Nobel Prize winner John Nash, who essentially invented game theory and undergoes serious bouts of mental illness, be junk food? Uh, well, to tell this story, I guess. I mean, if it feels if it feels if it feels like it wants to tell the story. I mean, do you feel like the movie pulls punches? Well, I don't think pull punches is the word I would use. Um, I think it glamorizes it in a way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it glamorizes his struggle, but I think it does present a pretty compelling struggle. Is the thing that's he, my that's my takeaway, right? Yeah, I suppose. I think there's a version of this movie, though, that's rated R mm-hmm. um, that doesn't try to fool you with the spy stuff and that like just tells the story from the perspective of Jennifer Connelly's character. Yeah, that is way more hard hitting and way more faithful to real life. And I think more impactful, right? Oh, boy. OK, so, yes, that's true. It, it Then it makes me wonder, do you want to? Do you want to tell that story? I mean, they've done that before, but then you get something like Amor. And, well, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would go that far. Uh, no, you. But okay, the movie still ends with a happy ending. Sure. I'm not. Does the story end with a happy ending? So far? I mean, he did not actually show up to get his Nobel uh, Prize. He didn't give a speech, but I mean, I don't yeah. know. He still won the Nobel Prize. I guess. I wonder what that actually meant to him, though. No, I think he lived out his days fairly happy. I think okay. I, he got back together with his wife. I think him and Jennifer Connelly's character divorced in real life, but they got back together. All right. Um, so yeah, I think. All right. So there's some hope in this story. Maybe, no, I, I just know. don't know if we needed to be manipulated as an audience. I don't know if this movie had to be the usual suspects. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I suppose. It, I, again, though, this is what I keep. I, I don't. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> if the movie wants. The movie can be whatever it wants to be. Right. You know. I don't really have a bias towards the story. If it wants to take that sort of Hollywood route, I mean, that's fine. Go ahead. Just do it in a way that works and has you know decent craft and some awesome performances. Just give me something I can sit down and enjoy. Yeah. It's okay if you want to be a little sweeter than usual. It's a movie. It's a sure. movie. At the end of the day, it's not real. 
just sort of feels a little run through the factory. I understand. I understand. You know, and and again, I like this movie. I really like this movie and I've seen it many times. Yeah, me too. Because it was one of those movies. I think you're right. As a kid, it's a great like spy thriller starter kit. Yes. And I I definitely watched it a lot when I was a teenager and I was even preteen and loved it. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just think I look at it now and I feel a little guilt for liking it that much. It's okay. Okay. You can, you're allowed to like it. Thank you for it, giving me permission. It's, it is a good movie. Okay. It's, I, I'm not, like we said, not sure if it's a great movie, but it's certainly a good one. I don't know if I would have given it Best Picture in 2000. No, no, God, no. No, no, no. But that's the Oscars. What do you want? It's so obvious. Here's a movie that I would have given Best Picture in 2001. <laughs> it's called Mulholland Drive. Okay. Starring Naomi Watts, Laura Haring... Herring, 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 yeah, and Justin Theroux. Oh my god, I fucking love Justin Theroux in this movie. Oh Jesus, he's so good in this. He's good in this. Directed by the big homie David Lynch. After a car wreck on the winding Mahalan Drive, renders a woman am amnesiac, amnesic, amnesic. There we go. She and a perky Hollywood hopeful search for clues. And answers across Los Angeles in a twisting adventure beyond dreams and reality. It was nominated for one Oscar, and that is Best Director David Lynch. That's okay. The second okay. time they did that, they did that with Blue Velvet, and they did that with Mahalan Drive. I, I always find it fa- like seeing him get nominated for anything at the Oscars is fantastic. Yes, it should always happen because it's so fucking weird. But that's the, fine. Man, this man needs to win an Oscar. He's got his honorary Oscar. Yeah, I know. They gave it to him last year. Great speech, by the way. Did you see the... Uh, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, that was a good one. Really good speech. Uh, here's the thing about Mulholland Drive. It was supposed to be an ABC pilot. Um, they shot the pilot, submitted it to the network. Network didn't like it. This was supposed to be like David Lynch's follow-up to Twin Peaks. So uh, Lynch was like, all right, fuck you then. I'm going to shoot an ending and I'm going to make it a movie. And so this wow. is uh, supposed to be something that airs on network television. But then, you know, after a little reworking and some lesbian sex, it, it was <laughs> sent okay. to the big screen and became like this uh, adored thing. And uh, yeah, I think it's the best movie of the year and I adore it. And I know that you don't like it so much and I am curious as to why. Yeah, I don't love this movie at all. It's my least favorite Lynch film, actually. Whoa. It's not the best movie of the year. It's not even close. Have you seen Doom? Um, have I seen? No, I haven't seen Dune, okay. <laughs> but that might change. You know, once I see Dune, yeah, yeah. This movie, it's again talks about a subject that I don't give a shit about. Um, what with is character? That? I mean, if you're talking about like a satire of like the Hollywood system and what that does to people, I mean, if you want to interpret it that way, that's fine. But it's not very interesting to me. Okay. And what's even less interesting is the journey that these characters are going through, and it's actually the most boring of all of his films, in my opinion. I think it's a well done movie on the whole. Uh, it's again though, like this. In the, it, this is sort of an interesting case study, I guess, when analyzing um, anything that Lynch does. Is that he rides a fine line between uh, engaging you enough to bring you along through the insanity, and then just losing you altogether, so that you don't give a shit. And in this case, I just don't give a shit. He, he very quickly makes me say, "Yeah, I just, I am not invested in this world. I'm not invested even in this style for these people, and and the storytelling here. It's where this where it ends up going is 
I mean, I, I, I have plenty of interpretations and none of them compel me. And <laughs> it's just like, it's a big, like kind of whatever movie. I think it's, it's well-made. Like he does a great job directing it and it certainly has its moments. I think the performances across the board are good, but this is the one that of, of all of his films, like really failed to engage me. Huh? So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think this is like my second or third favorite. Lynch yeah, movie. of course it is. There you go. <laughs> I mean, here we go again. I, we, we go in circles every time we have this argument. Yeah, I am very interested, not necessarily in the subject matter, but the location. I think that's more what it is. Yeah. I, I love this as an LA movie. <laughs> um, I love the production design. I love when these girls go to parties in the Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love driving down Mulholland drive, I guess. Okay. There is something so lonely and isolated about this version of LA. Um, and something so pathetic about the people that inhabit this city. And I, I don't know if LA is actually like that. I've never been to LA, but I do get the sense that it could be like that. Um, and these people feel very realized to me and, and their existence in this space feels very well realized to me. Um, the Justin Thoreau character is just an awesome villain. Yeah. Uh, kind of villain. I, I wouldn't call him exactly the, the, the villain of the movie, but he's certainly an antagonist. Uh, like, yeah, he's kind of a cartoonish Hollywood producer, director, but that he's so much fun. And I just feel like Hollywood is riddled with leeches like that guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just total snakes in the grass, ready to pounce on you at any moment. Uh, the Naomi Watts character, again, is also a little broad, but, uh, you know, and we've seen this archetype before, the wide-eyed Hollywood hopeful that moves to the big city to try to make it in the movies. But I love her in this in this role, and I just think her performance elevates the character and the material in a lot of ways. Okay. And, yeah, I just find it to be a really compelling noir mystery. And I do actually find the theories to be pretty fulfilling, it, it is one of the few Lynch movies, in fact, that by the end of it, I thought, huh, what happened here? Let's unpack this. Most Lynch movies, like Eraserhead, for example, I didn't feel the need to pick apart the uh, plot mechanics of that movie. Okay. You, know? this is, you and I are sometimes, sometimes literal polar opposites because <laughs> my, I, I saw Eraserhead first yeah. and I was like, I got to break down everything about this movie. And then I saw this and I'm like, I'm just going to leave this movie alone. I don't care. I mean, it's not that I didn't want to talk about Eraserhead. It's that I I wasn't interested in theorizing about the woman in the radiator. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I suppose. But that's that's more of an emotional thing, I guess, because that that style and that world probably was not grasping you. Yeah. But it's the it's it's the same way with me here. Like I said, like I again, I don't I don't give a fuck about Hollywood movies. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about movies. Even about, were I mean, we just talking about this yesterday? We were. It's just it's just like movies about examining Hollywood and why it's bad is just so just trite to me. And this, this is the this is I guess maybe the most disappointing element of it is that I don't think Lynch brings much new to the table here. That's the most disappointing thing. And you think he would, but I just I just think he kind of missed the mark in a lot of ways i don't know i don't I think, think he, he makes those ideas a lot more visceral than another director would Ooh, i don't know no because this is the, the other thing about it is that this one felt far more tame than a lot of his other movies you think so a lot more tame you think the man behind the diner or the the little old people scampering into the room and naomi watch shooting herself like yeah 
Really? It's, it doesn't. It doesn't touch uh, Blue Velvet. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't touch Eraserhead. I don't think it even comes close to Elephant Man. It. It doesn't even touch uh, Lost Highway. In oh, that way. see that. You know what? Your thoughts on Lost Highway are are my thoughts on Mulholland Drive and vice versa. Yeah. I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, no. Lost Highway did nothing for me. That one felt like all style and no substance. Okay. But that's a good example of one that actually I feel like just digs at you, though. And I just, I don't know, this one feels fluffy in comparison. Hmm. Well, maybe it's because it's a pilot. Yeah. Maybe because it was made for network television. That's pro- that's That could be true. Yeah. I, I think the movie also, as a consequence, I, look, I'm very interested to see what this show would have been if it was on yeah, ABC in 2001. I'm very interested. Um, and I understand, like, the movie feels like a lot of exposition because of that like you can sort of yeah. see the seams of the tv show you can see the the sort of the the broad strokes of the the season yeah. in this movie um but i actually think it works for that reason i think like hmm. that setup is very compelling and it feels a lot more atmospheric and it takes its really? time in that way yeah really? i actually feel like it it doesn't Ooh. rush it because okay it, it allowed itself to sort of be a television pilot and the thing about a television pilot is it doesn't have to end um and yeah i i I don't know for all the reasons you hate it i guess i love it i don't know yeah i was gonna say i found it deeply uncompelling okay (laughs) and uninteresting and just like i don't know i felt like nothing was fulfilled in, in terms of like like character and story progression and Again, it's like where it ends up. It's like I just I I can't even say that I found it pointless because it to me it clearly had a lot to say. And I do defend this movie. My mom hates this movie, okay. and I'm like, well, it's not that bad, mom. Like it actually has a lot more going on here. Did you ever consider like the point of Naomi Watts's character, you know, and why they they switch her story the way that they do? But uh, but I can't help but fall back on like, yeah, I I mind, this is the one that I mind the least from. Okay. You know, which, you know, and, and hearing that it, it was a television pilot actually makes a lot more sense now. So I don't know. Huh. Yeah. I think this is my favorite movie of the year, but <laughs> it could be your favorite movie. It is not the best movie of the year. Well, okay. Agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah. It is the other, uh, it's a strange example of a, of a David Lynch movie that sort of made it mainstream too. Yeah. Uh, the fact that your mom has seen it is kind of remarkable. Uh, my well, father has seen it as well, and he's not like a huge Lynch fan. Well, I do have to stress the only reason that she saw it is because I ordered it on Netflix when the DVDs were still a thing, and she just saw it, and she's uh, like, oh, I guess I'll watch this. Okay. And then she's like, Adam, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, oh, I was supposed to watch that. It's like her discovering porn. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So that's that. That's Mahalan Drive. We'll agree to disagree on it, I guess. Yeah. I just want to stress how much I love Justin Thoreau in this movie. <laughs> See, that's another thing. It's like he's very good in the movie, but he doesn't make much of an impression. What a sleazeball. Fucking yeah, love him. That's certainly true. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Starring, you know, everyone. Every. George, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon, Don Cheadle, mm-hmm. Bernie Mac, Elliot Gould, Casey Affleck. Should I go on? It's actually annoying how many people are in this movie. Andy Garcia. Oh, my God. Carl Reiner. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> are your dogs okay, by the way? Yeah, I can hear them barking downstairs. Your I don't dogs know are the... literally barking. They're probably barking at someone outside. Some idiot is outside walking their dog, not practicing social distancing. <laughs> 
It'll Steven be okay. Soderbergh directs this thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, it was not nominated for any Oscars. Mm-hmm. Danny Ocean and his 10 accomplices, accomplices plan <laughs> to rob three Las Vegas casinos simultaneously. Yep. Ocean's Eleven is the best cable movie of all time. That's true. <laughs> Does anyone debate that? Well, yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand this as, as a cable movie so much until you tell it to them. Top five cable movies. Give them to me. What's the Mount Rushmore? Actually, top four. Mount Rushmore. Mm, uh, the Fugitive. Yeah. Uh, Ocean's Eleven. Uh-huh. Um, if we want a contemporary example, I would say The Help. Different? N- no, 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 no. Mount Rushmore, though? No, it's not Mount Rushmore. Uh, See, I, be- I think it's Castaway. Castaway? Yeah. No, no. These are movies that are known to people because they are on cable all the time. Okay, well then you got to put Goodfellas on there. <laughs> no, that's no, that's different. <laughs> and you got to put Shawshank on there. Now Shawshank may be on there. Yeah, but Goodfellas isn't on. Goodfellas is is more known as a theatrical movie than a cable movie. Okay, Green Mile, good one. Mm-hmm. I still think Castaways in the top four though. Really? Castaway's on all the time, dude. Uh, I don't think... I wouldn't describe that movie as a cable movie, per se. Okay. But regardless, Ocean's Eleven is number one. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Why not? I'll give it to you. Come on! It's not even close! It's it's great. (laughs) Yeah, it is the cable... It is the rainy day movie. Yes, that's certainly true. You could put it on at any point. You could could watch it with ten minutes left or an hour and a half left, and it still works. It is like the most hilariously inoffensive fun movie I think ever made. <laughs> yes. It's Im- it's it's impossible not to get at least some amusement out of this movie. Have you ever met anyone that doesn't like Ocean's Eleven? No. I've met people who don't like the original because it sucks. But I've never seen the original. Uh, yeah, it's not good. Okay. It's flat and boring. But um, yeah, this one is, is awesome. Um... Yeah, why is it awesome? Let's talk about why it's awesome. Because I think we all know instinctively that it's awesome. Yeah, I mean... But who is the star of this movie? Who's the? Let me put it this way. Who's the MVP of this movie? Soderbergh. Okay, you think so? Mm-hmm. This is just a Soderbergh flex. Yeah, I, and I, I that's the thing is that I was... I had asked the, the same question not, uh, like a year or so ago, and I was like, yeah, this I see this movie on cable all the time. Why, why the hell do I keep coming back to it? And, you know, I mean, a lot of it, I think, just comes down to just this film's energy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's sort of infectious. It's got a, it, and it doesn't take itself too seriously, is the other thing. It certainly takes the craft seriously, but the movie is only concerned about just being a crowd pleaser. It is a crowd pleaser in the purest sense. It never lets up. I, don't, I think these characters service that brilliantly. They are all hilarious. Their chemistry is, it's some of the best, like, ensemble chemistry I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's excellent. There's not one weak link. It's and the thing is like the movie doesn't necessarily reach like these great like like cinema changing heights. It is just so wonderfully efficient in on all regards. I think I have a weak link for you. Let me think. <laughs> uh the Julia Roberts storyline? No, no, of course not. Please. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know. how dare you besmirch the name of Tess Ocean? How <laughs> dare you? Tess from Ocean's 8, you mean? No, Tess Ocean is her name in this one, right? It, she's also in Ocean's 8, I believe. No, she's not. That's that's I, that's that's Danny Ocean's sister. 
It is? I thought it was the character of Tess Ocean. Uh, I might be wrong. Kate Blanchett plays the sister in that one. I haven't, by the way, I have not seen Ocean's Eleven. Or Ocean's Eight. Ocean's Eight. <laughs> oh, no. Sandra Bullock is Danny Ocean's sister. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, her name is Debbie in that one. Mm-hmm. No, I love Julia Roberts in this. No, Andy Garcia is my weak link, I think. <laughs> really? Yeah. I like him in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't really care for him all that much. I think okay. most people would say Cheadle is the weak link. I don't think so, though. I love Cheadle. Well, Cheadle's accent is horrendous. Yeah. Uh, it's, re- it's really bad. Uh, I don't know. It's fun. Uh, Why are people so offended by that accent is what I no, want to know. No, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking bad. It's pretty horrendous. It's it, it's okay. And I, I, I don't think it would be as bad if it wasn't Don Cheadle. <laughs> There's something about seeing him try to pull off that accent that just doesn't work. You don't like Don Cheadle, do you? Don Cheadle's weird, man. Don Cheadle's something off about him. I don't know what it is. He's a fine actor, but like every time I see him, I'm just like, what are you doing? I, I'm uncomfortable around you. I, I don't know why everyone became a like like interested in linguistics when they saw Ocean's Eleven though. Like I don't understand like why they have such a stick up their ass about like Don Cheadle's Brit British voice. Yeah, like his South London accent. Yeah, like yeah, all of his, like uh, all right, is it Cockney or is it Welsh? Like uh, shut the fuck up. It's Cockney. It's very obviously Cockney. Yeah, what? But like, <laughs> why does Don Cheadle's accent have to be region specific in Ocean's Eleven? Why does he need to have an accent at all? Because <laughs> it's the character. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like, why are we analyzing it like it's Daniel Day-Lewis? Because he's an actor. It's a cable movie. No, but like, why is it such a pet peeve of people? Let it go. Dude, when pe- when <laughs> when weird actors are doing accents that don't fit them, it's just, it's it's distracting. It's the same reason why everyone hates Dick Van Dyke's accent and Mary Poppins. Or what about Kevin Costner in fucking Robin Hood? Oh boy, how about Kevin Costner in uh, in freaking JFK? Oh, okay. well, there you go. Yeah, ter- great no, but I get that. But like JFK is a movie where accents matter. Yes, yes. Who the hell cares in Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> <laughs> He's British and he has a funny voice. Get over it, people. <laughs> See, that, that's we're just breaking lazy. into a Come safe on. during a boxing match. Get the fuck <laughs> over it. Yeah, but you could have very easily had fixed the problem if you're just like, Don, just drop the accent. Donnie boy, drop that accent. <laughs> Bernie Mac is a bank thief in this movie. Who cares? <laughs> and he is smart enough to keep his regular Bernie Mac voice. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why people are so offended by it. I think it's like, I, I don't think it's good, but like it's, who cares? <laughs> it's not the worst thing about the movie. I'm not one of those people, yeah. but it is a little like odd is what I'll say. I don't think it's Andy odd. Garcia uh, has the goods. I will say that. I don't think he can keep up with the rest of these people because the rest of these people literally, it is, it is, uh, I think the most concentrated um, geographic area uh, in terms of charisma we've ever seen. Yes. Never has this much charisma been in one room with each other. Well, that's what makes it so watchable. It's just this ensemble of wonderful actors just playing off in each other, playing off of each other in like some of the best ways. But the thing is, it's very eclectic and it's it's got a wonderful variety. And even like the unknowns, you know, actually surprisingly play well. And that's the thing is that you would think like some of the unknown supporting characters would not necessarily work as well with these heavyweights, but they surprisingly do. Mm-hmm. Cause I think of Casey Affleck and his buddy in the car and Casey Affleck wasn't really like a star at the time of this movie. 
but it's like, oh, it's that guy that I've seen in a couple movies and his buddy. And seeing them together just annoy the shit out of Matt Damon is kind of wonderful. Yeah. So it's like the movie, even in its small moments, never stops being fun. And I think that's the thing that just keeps it going. It's just so crazy that four of the biggest movie stars, I think ever, maybe. I mean, Clooney, Pitt, Roberts, Damon are, you know, Hall of Fame movie stars. And they're all in a movie together. In Mm -hmm. fact, they were all in three movies together. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just awesome, man. It's, it's, uh, we don't have enough of this. We don't have enough of like disposable heist movies starring huge (laughs) names. I wouldn't call this one disposable. No, but but I, I think the story is disposable, but I, I I think for that very reason, the movie has, uh, has not become disposable. Yeah. I would say the other two. Yes. But, uh, it's definitely not this one. I like the other two just fine. Oh, I like the third one, but uh, the second one, no. 12 is, is just better than 13, man. I don't know. What 12 is unconscionably boring. <laughs> the, I, I, can, I wouldn't dare say that about 13. 12, oh boy, no. How funny is it that Nick saw Ocean's 12 before Ocean's 11? What the fuck? <laughs> N- Nick just confuses me. He's such an enigma. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, that's Ocean's Eleven. Um, it's the best. I quote it all the time. I've seen it more times than any other movie on this list. It's, it's yes, yeah. um, you know, the poker scene at the beginning is one of the great poker scenes in all of movies. Yeah, that's true. Oh, all Topher reds. Grace. Yeah, <laughs> all reds, all reds. <laughs> Topher Grace making that fucking cameo. Whatever the hell he's doing. I love yeah. that they actually play themselves. They do. Yeah, Topher that's Grace right. That's plays right. himself in that scene. It's so good. Great movie. Every poker night, all reds. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> Every time. I, even when you you say it's all reds, even when there's like three or four blacks. <laughs> oh yeah. Anytime that I get a bluff through, I put my cards down. All reds. <laughs> that's a spade, Nico. <laughs> all reds. That's a club. All reds. <laughs> Got three pair. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. What what do we uh, what do we talk about here? Starring Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Orlando Bloom, Sean Bean, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, a bunch of fucking people. Directed by Peter Jackson, based on the novels of J.R.R. Tolkien. Yep. Nominated for a bunch of Oscars. In fact, it won four of them: Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Music, and Best Effects, Visual Effects. Mm-hmm. Also nominated for Picture Actor. Wow. Well, actually, Supporting Actor. Ian McKellen was nominated. Uh, Best Director. Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Art Direction. Costume Design. Film Editing. Wow. Original Song and Sound. Yep. Mm -hmm. My oh my. Yep. A meek hobbit from the Shire and eight companions set out on a journey to destroy the powerful One Ring and save Middle Earth from the Dark Lord Sauron. Uh, mm-hmm. It is no secret on this podcast that Lord of the Rings has never meant anything to me, um, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. And I, I guess I want you to not talk about Lord of the Rings as a series, but let's focus in on this movie. Why did we nominate it? This is one of the best films ever made. <laughs> That's why I nominated it. <laughs> it's one of the best movies of all time. That's why I nominated it. It is a perfect movie. That's why I nominated it. 
what is wrong with Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring? Here's the thing. It is a damn near perfect adaptation of the source material. It is the start of what essentially changed the game in terms of the way we conceptualize movies in the early 2000s. Essentially, the next game breaker is uh, Avatar. But before that, it was essentially this. Um, this led the way for fantasy storytelling in cinema. This movie is so. This movie's existence is solely responsible for why Game of Thrones is a thing. You know, no it, doubt, it, no doubt, owes a debt to that entirely. I mean, this owes a debt to many a weird Netflix shows now. Um, I would also say many other forms of literature and video games. As let I let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask question. Yes. Would you say that the film series Lord of the Rings is more significant, or that the book series is more significant? Oh boy. What is Lord of the I, Rings primarily known as now? Man, I think I think the movies have certainly taken a greater name. You think? Yeah. yeah. Because th- you got to remember, these books were published in the twenties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And super popular. But of course, they took on a very different meaning now. Again, like sort of like a pop cultural phenomenon that just spread across the world. Like people now know about Lord of the Rings that the and because of the, these movies, you know, they didn't necessarily know about the books beforehand. And this movie sort of changed everything about that. Certainly changed the way that you can do like blockbuster filmmaking as well. And I would also uh, uh, say probably one of the most well-conceived worlds ever brought to film and started, I think, the greatest film trilogy of all time. Whoa, okay. It's it's the best film trilogy of all time. Well, I guess we can debate that quite a bit. Um, I won't get into it, though. I, I, it's, I not, mean, look. it's not Star Wars, man. All right. Um, <laughs> hmm. Where do I want to go with this? Okay, I, I think the, the books are, are certainly more significant in terms of impact. Um, we only have Game of Thrones because George R. R. Martin wrote the Game of Thrones series, and that was long yes. before these movies ever came out. Yeah, but um, I'm not talking about that. I'm simply I mean, I talking about... We have about... D&D because of the books. We don't have D&D because of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a whole generation of kids that grew up in their, you know, playing board games in their basement about wizards and hobbits and elves and shit mm-hmm. because of the, this movie series. We have it because of the books. Yeah, but that, the problem is that 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 was still fairly niche, and this made it mainstream. I mean, I don't this know. Made it made it, it mainstream for a couple years, dude. Like, no, I, 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 no, what? I still think like if you're not a nerd and you're not interested in fucking wizards and shit, like this movie still doesn't mean anything to you. That is. so so wrong you have no fucking idea man this is the most obsessed about movie i think of our generation yeah only, you think the only thing that compares is harry potter that is it i have not known a single bro who did not fucking adore lord of the rings i, I don't know man like if no, you, i don't a, know if you were homecoming king and queen you still don't care you about lord of the rings lord of the rings dude i'm not gonna hear this argument it's false no i I get that people like us love the movie, but it- no, I am not hearing this argument. I'm stopping you right now. You are wrong. Every fucking let me person ask you a question. Is movies. Lord of the Rings more significant <laughs> or, is, or is Titanic more significant? What do you mean? Well, like in terms what's, of a, like, what's a more significant mainstream movie? Lord of the Rings. You think so? Yep. You think average moviegoer is more obsessed with Lord of the Rings than Titanic? I don't think it's close. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't see that. I think you're so wrong. I, what are you talking about? 
it, I don't I don't care if you don't like the movie, dude. It's blatantly obvious people are fucking nuts about this movie. Is it bigger than Star Wars? Oh boy, that I mean, I would have said that probably in the early 2000s like by I don't know. By the time like 2010 was rolling around, I still probably would have said Lord of the Rings was up there aside from one other franchise. And we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I would say now uh, Star Wars has eclipsed it, but for the worse, not okay. necessarily for the better. So, uh, man, I don't know. I look at the fucking box office returns on The Hobbit, and I, I, I just don't think you're right about this. Well, the box office returns on The Hobbit are reflected by the fact that that first movie was completely underwhelming to people. No, I don't think that's all of it, man. There have been plenty of bad Star Wars movies, and Star Wars still makes a lot of money at the box mm, office. Nope. Yes, I, dude! No, Fucking I'm yes, th- man! Revenge of the enti- Sith made a shit ton of money! I'm thinking it's entirely because people were put off by the fact that these movies were getting released in the way that they were. And also, like, I don't I'm know what you of- mean by that. What do you mean? I mean, a lot of people just hated The Hobbit. They just couldn't get down to the story. No one was vibing with it. And then that shitty-ass 48 frames per second made people stop going to the theater. It was also way too long. I remember, like, the media backlash for The Hobbit was that, oh, why the hell is this three movies to begin with? And it felt like more of a slog for people. And it's not that those movies were uh, underperformed. It's not that they underperformed at the box office, but they were no Lord of the Rings. Again, it's just because the quality was dropping more, more than anything. It made a lot of movie inter- money internationally, didn't make a ton domestically. I think actually per- sort of underperformed domestically. I mean, yeah. it still made $300 million, so I guess that's not like a that's not a flop by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I felt like at the time there was not a ton of enthusiasm for The Hobbit when it came out, even that first movie. I felt like there was a ton of enthusiasm for the first movie immediately after the first movie people were like oh god okay yeah that wasn't great the the crux of the argument is this though i think is what we're having i i think yes the book series spawned a subculture that for a long time went ignored and was confined to the basements of you know children in the 80s and the movies came out and it became mainstream that's your argument I mean, as far as this type of fantasy is concerned, yeah, there wasn't anything like that It didn't create the culture. Before. It just sort of introduced mainstream culture to this idea. But the thing is, it made it so big that it might as well have created it because before it was so niche and so unheard of and so uncool that it didn't really matter. And it was hmm. tiny. It's tiny. Like, honestly, the niche subsection is completely overshadowed now. Like, the, the, yeah. the mainstream appeal now is the group. Okay. Maybe. I'm not sure I see that reflected in my oh mind. My God. But maybe, what? maybe. Okay. What are you talking about? I guess I accept your premise, I guess. I accept your premise. Let me, let, okay, specifically now, let me talk about what I, I don't care for in this movie. And actually all three of these movies. Uh, I have never been able to keep these characters apart. I've never, <laughs> I've never I, I know who Gandalf is. I know who Frodo is. I know who Sam is. Beyond okay. that, I can't tell you Bromir from Legolas. Can't tell you. Can't tell you who's who. They're pretty iconic. (laughs) That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I still can't can't pick him out in a lineup. Oh, Legolas, this blonde-haired, beautiful human being. Oh, Gimli, you disgusting dwarf with a long beard. I can't tell one from the other. Who the hell's Gimli? 
Oh my God! Tell me what who Gimli you, is. Who the hell re- is Gimli? You're just trying to not know I'm who not. they are. No, you I'm give not. A, you I'm just don't not. give a shit about this movie for some godforsaken I reason. I am not, man. I am not. Uh. Take my indifference to wizards and trolls out of it. I seriously don't know who these characters are. I don't know what is defining about any of these people. What are you talking about? Seriously, the personalities dude. are very identifiable. Kate Blanchett, I don't know what character she's playing. She's just a woman with elf ears. <laughs> Not exactly the most important part of the movie. You can't identify Aragorn from Legolas. No. From Boromir. That is I hear weird. they're doing an Aragorn prequel for Amazon. Dude, that's nothing re- to me. That's really weird. They're very clearly defined characters with very distinct personalities. Like, it's blatantly obvious. They even look different. They even have... They, the filmmakers go out of their way. The art department says, we are going to be able to distinguish one person from the other. And you can pick them out in a crowd. No, man, I can't. What are you talking about? I can't. <laughs> The only one that gets blended in there is Boromir, I guess, but he makes up for it with a fantastic conclusion. Bro, I I, 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 I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, look, uh, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie, but I at least know all the Harry Potter characters. Like, like I, I get their character beats. Like, what is the disconnect here? I don't understand. It's like, I know Hermione, Ron Weasley, Harry, I get all that. Yeah. I, I don't, they are just all action figures. Oh These are all D and D characters to me. <laughs> I I know. I'm sure the listening I'm so public. Confused. I am sure the listening public is pulling their hair out like you are right now. I understand how annoying this must sound to you. I, I, dude, I watched these three movies at the same age everybody else watched these three movies. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't that I didn't watch it at the right time. It's not like I went into it wanting to hate it. I went in thinking that it was going to be good and thinking that I would like it, and seriously i can't follow the characters i i don't know what their arcs are i i just feel like this is a sort of ham-fisted depiction of what is an impossible to adapt novel what for for years look that was (laughs) that was the rap on the novel for years is that these that these books were impossible to adapt and then they adapt them and they're phenomenal and it's like an incredible adaptation. And I understand that people like you think that it's a loyal adaptation and I believe that it is a loyal adaptation. <sighs> Dude, this is what Martin Scorsese is talking about. What do you mean? You know what I mean? This is what Martin Scorsese is talking about when he talks about movies as 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 theater park rides. This I feel like this is tre- this is the beginning a tremendous of it. amount of character in this these movies and heart and spirit and everyone is clearly identified and they have wonderful human arcs and it's wa- awesome to watch them go through that particularly Aragorn next to Frodo and Frodo and Sam we'll get the gay stuff out of the way dude I but- <laughs> have no idea who Aragorn is I I'm serious as I as you say those words oh to me now oh my god the, the the ranger from the north <laughs> no who the, the plays Ar- Aragorn. Uh, Vigo Mortensen, dude. Okay, that's Vigo Mortensen's character. Yes, and then Orlando Bloom is Legolas. Uh, what the hell's the guy's name from fucking Indiana Jones? The big dude who plays Solemn. God, what the hell? I, I always forget that actor's name. From what? Who plays Gimli? He's he's in he's in Indiana Jones. He plays the guy the digger. Oh God, what's his name? I always forget that actor's name, but he's great. He also plays Treebeard, the Ent. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm going to look this up. Listen, man, the only thing I like about Lord of the Rings is Gollum. Because oh. Gollum is identifiable. 
I understand his arc. It, it is it's clear to me what's going on with it. I know what he wants. I his 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 motivation is is easy to identify. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always loved Gollum. He's funny. He's easy to love. He's easy to root yep. against. He's like the Darth Vader of this universe. You know what I mean? Like I get it. Oddly, yeah. I get Gollum. Yes. The rest of these people, they just blend together. They are just different mystical warriors doing mystical warrior things. I never Dude, knew what the fellowship the of the ring was. I really doing, didn't understand any of this. They're doing the exact same stuff that half the characters are doing in Star Wars. I'm sorry, but they are. They well, all first of all, there are less characters in Star Wars. What? There are less characters in Star Wars. Star Wars is a three-hander. I would not... No. I Luke, Leia, Han. The rest are supporting characters. Sure, but they're all kind of serving the same purpose, and that's to you know stop the Empire. And in this one, it's stop Sauron. That's the collective goal here, and everyone serves their own personality and their own role, their their own way, you know. And they all change by the end of the series. Even in that original trilogy, there's a clear distinction. There's maybe a smaller scale. There's not that many more characters. The core characters are pretty slim. I mean, you have Sam, Frodo, and then you have the three heavies. And then Gandalf, I guess. And that's it. The rest become more supporting. It always bothered me. Ugh. It always bothered me that Sauron was not in that third movie. <laughs> that made no sense. And I think, like, what are you th- talking about? Why would he be in the movie? They clearly established that he can't be there. He's not physically there. It's, what do you his, mean? His, his, his life force is just bound to the ring. But they never his, show that, though. Yes, they do. They show that at the very beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring when he's binding the ring together. Yeah, but he's in the second one. No, he's not. Christopher Lee is in the second one. Oh, so, oh, Sauron. <laughs> you said Sauron. What the hell just happened? Wait a minute. Oh, you said what Sauron. What is that sentence you just said? You said Sauron. Right. Which is a, a different character. That's the guy who binds his life force to the ring. That's the Ooh. big bad guy who runs all of Mordor. Okay. And then you have Sauron. That's a little different. That's the white elf. That, or not the white elf. That's the white wizard that controls all of Isengard. That's Christopher Lee. What the hell is happening right now? Do you not understand what I'm talking about? No. Okay. He dies, by the way. And he Hex. is in Return of the King. There are two characters in Lord of the Rings. Yes. One is named Sauron and one is named Sauron. Yes. You understand those are the same name, correct? <laughs> but it's pretty simple for me. They are the same name with a different inflection. But they're very different characters. It is literally potato potato. <laughs> no, it that is, is not. That is literally potato potato incarnated. Well, part of the point is that Sauron is using Sauron as his puppet. So in a way, it thematically makes sense. So it's almost like an extension of him in a weird way. And what happens is is that he just gets abandoned at a, at his temple, essentially. You think I'm kidding? I honestly, I thought Soren and Sauron were the same guy. Dude, what the fuck? I've always uh. thought that. The guy at the top of the mountain with the little eyeball. Yes, I thought that was Christopher Lee. What? <laughs> I'm laughing at you, by the way. <laughs> what are you talking about? Dude, His did name you miss? Is Sauron! Did you miss 10 minutes one of the movie? One guy Sauron, one guy Sauron! <laughs> They're very clearly different characters, though. 
it's very obvious that they are different people. Dude, <laughs> what did you miss? <laughs> it's like you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> Guys, am I not supposed to be confused by this? Am I the only no, human being that's ever been confused, confused by this? By this. Nobody. <laughs> it's not that difficult. How are the names spelled? Can I see the names? Go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> Christopher Lee. Sourman. S-A-R-U. Okay, it's got an R in it. Sourman? S-A-R-U-M-A-N. Sauron. Sauron is S-A-U-R-O-N. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I mean, that's just an oversight, people. Tolkien <laughs> fucked that up, dude. completely different. They are completely different people. They could not be more removed in Christopher a way. Lee is not in the third movie, by the way. Yes, he is. He's I, no, he's ver- definitely not. Because I, I don't know if you watched some different cut, but I saw part three and he was not in the movie. And I will tell you, I've seen part three, God only knows how many times, and yes, he is in the movie. I think you're wrong about this. And I know you're wrong about this. (laughs) Dude, I watched that movie, and I was like, why is the main antagonist of this series not in the third movie? He's not the main antagonist. He is. (laughs) No, he is not. God damn it, this is frustrating. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> I, 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 I so regret nominating this movie just because this conversation is fucked up. <laughs> okay, here we go. Peter Jackson defends Saruman cuts. Yes. Lord of the there Rings cu- director says decision to leave Christopher Lee on the cutting room floor was not imposed by the studio, but by narrative. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He was not in part three. He's in part three. He's not. I promise you I'm he's in part three. I'm reading the article right now. He's not in part three. He's talking about the death of the character. Now, the death of, of that character is cut, where he gets pushed off the top by fucking, what the hell's his name from uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Why was that, it cut? That I don't know. I think that was more for time's sake and whatnot. But isn't that is insanely it? frustrating that the movie takes two hours to end, yet you can't include the death of the villain? Yeah, that's what they cut. They don't cut his influence. Well, they do cut his influence because he has no influence at that point in the story. But you do see him stranded at the top of the tower. Okay, isn't that a problem? No, because he doesn't do anything. He dies five minutes afterwards anyway in the extended cut if you really want to watch that. The four I definitely hour don't. Lives. Guys, I'm serious. This, this is, you're speaking a foreign language to me. God, when you talk I'm, about this movie, it just makes no sense. Oh, I don't. Wait, I really don't understand the hype. I don't understand the characters. I don't get it. I really don't. That's and it, it is not my bias towards the genre at all, man. I can get down with Game of Thrones like the best of them. I seriously, this doesn't make any sense to me. That's this is so the Emperor's weird. new clothes. That's so funny because in Game of Thrones, I lose track of people all the time. Yeah, there's none of that for me when I watch. Really? Maybe, maybe I saw it when I was too young. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> I, I've only seen this these movies once. Yeah. Let me be fair. I've only seen them once. I, I think Two Towers is the best. It's the easiest to follow. Gollum is in the most of it. It's structured around a battle. There's a beginning, yep. middle, end. It just it is easy to follow. This first yep. one means nothing to me. Yeah, and that second one is my least favorite. <laughs> again, we're doing this again. I'm done. Movie- I'm done. I, I don't want to. I don't want to give you any more aneurysms, people. God damn it! I get it. Everyone disagrees with me. I know. I'm in the minority, and I I'm sorry that I can't give you more of a. 
cinematic exploration of this. I'm sorry. I can't find a thing wrong with the Fellowship of the Ring if I tried. Because even some people, the, the only thing you've ever said to me is that you don't like the exposition in the movie. But the thing is, it's one of the few examples where exposition works because the, the way they tell their stories is just so enrapturing and fascinating. And it's just fun to hear this world be, be, become more lore filled and just more uh, depthful. I just love it. It just it just makes it feel more alive. And it's very clear that these stories have been passed around all the time. It's great. And I say Which, information dump. Oh God! That's just, what I a, say. It's a fantastic script for that way. I just think it's awesome. It's just an information dump. It's just we have all this stuff in the novel. Like if it were a TV show, I actually think it would have been a better TV show. I really do, oh, man. If you actually took the time to develop these characters and actually flesh them out a little, they bit do. More. They do it very, very well. Why is that a criticism on your mind? It's great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, it's, I'm, I apologize. It's like black and white. Like it's like you. It's like the Earth is flat to you. What I will you atone t- for my sins one day. Jesus Christ! What are you talking about? I will atone for my sins one day. Okay, let's get to fucking Harry Potter. I'm sick of this conversation. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. We talked about my relationship with this movie in the past. Yes. Chris Columbus directs. Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Richard Harris, Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. They all star. Um, nominated for two Oscars, as a matter of fact, that year. Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, actually three Oscars, and Best Original Score. By John Williams. Yep. An orphaned boy enrolls in a school of wizardry where he learns the truth about himself, his family, and the terrible evil that haunts the magical world. I, I, um, <laughs> man, I missed it. Oh, you know, I, I, I missed it. It's too late. There's no yeah. going back. Yeah. There's no, there's, th- there's no going back. I, I had to watch this at age 10 and I didn't yep. watch it at age 10 and now it's too late. Yeah. It didn't get it too late. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't a part of the culture. I, I was <laughs> not a part. I didn't watch it at the right age. It is meant for 10 year olds. I had no idea what was going on. I did not participate in the ABC family marathons where it would be like Christmas. I know like a lot of people associate Harry Potter with Christmas time because they watch the marathons during Christmas. Mm -hmm. So like I never got involved with that. I never knew what a Gryffindor was. Uh, So yeah, uh, it kind of sucks because now I watch it and like I see some stuff that I like but I can no longer view this separate and apart from the conversation around it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ugh, that makes me very sad. <laughs> yeah. And it makes yeah. me even more angry at you because it, I would have much preferred having never seen it because at <laughs> least I have that. At yeah, least my but- relationship to it is that I haven't seen it. Now I've seen it and I have no relationship to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen it. I've seen it many times mm. and I still watch it because I think this movie's aged quite well. And it's not the best Harry Potter film. What's uh, the best Harry Potter film? It's either uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban or the very last one, Deathly Hollows Part 2, which is I, I'm the only reason I didn't nominate it for, what was it, 2010, I think? 2011, I think. Ooh, is it 2011? Mm-hmm. Well, 
you better start watching those movies because oh, that one's going to get nominated. <laughs> that that movie's remarkable. Um, but yeah, like this 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 one will always be one of my favorites because it again it started it all. It's incredibly nostalgic. It's sort of like one of those movies that came out at a time that just like opened my eyes up to just joy and wonderment and imagination. Um, I have n- never loved being in a world so much. I've never loved hanging out with these characters so much. I never just had so much fun in going to school in a movie, you know, which is crazy to say, but this is it. Um, this movie's absolutely wonderful. It, um, uh, it's very broad. Don't get me wrong. It's a Christopher Columbus movie. Yeah. Uh, I actually never knew that Christopher Columbus directed it. Yeah. He also directed the second one too. So made a lot of sense as it was kicking in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, his his style is very, very present here. And you can definitely feel that. And and he's it. But again, it's 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 not something I can really criticize. I think it works well for the characters at this point in their life. Like, again, the movies are interesting because the first one certainly established this is as it's a kid's film, but it's something adults can still watch and really, really love. I mean, my dad adores this movie, <laughs> adores it. My mom adores this movie. There's not a lot of people who don't love this movie honestly um i do admit that it's not the best of the series it's certainly it got its issues and both entries by columbus have its issues but it, it, it's hard for me to to say anything bad about this movie i will never not absolutely love it look i like christopher columbus movies yeah i like both home alones i like mrs doubtfire mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I don't think they're great cinema but sure um yeah in the right context, yeah, I can get down to some Christopher Columbus. I'm telling you, age 25, watching it for the first time for a podcast, not the right context. Mm-hmm. Just it's just the wrong context. <laughs> you know, I, I had to participate as a kid. There, there is no other way to do it, and that's where I kind of disagree with you when you say that there's something there for adults to enjoy. I really don't feel that way. Or I, I mean, really? I guess you can watch it and appreciate it from a distance. Um, there's just so much lore here and there's so much detail. Yes. Um, and I think it's very well done. Yeah. And, and very lived in and realized. And the thing, one of the things I love about it too is how uh, practical most of it is. There's a real like, like, like film aesthetic in this movie that was eventually kind of lost with the later entries. Not that those later entries are bad at all, but there you do get a level of authenticity here that it may, maybe it's just the novelty of this movie and how reserved it is. It shows a tremendous amount of restraint next to a lot of the ones that will come later. But in a way that just, it, again, is like an origin for all of this. It's a great way to do it. Uh, how many of the books have you read? I, th- uh, I have never read the books. Oh, really? Yeah, I've only seen the movies. Okay. I um, I was struck by this when I saw one of the opening scenes where Harry is living with like his step-parents or whatever, and the owl drops off the letter. Yeah. And that whole sequence of, you, you know, the, the letters <laughs> pouring in through mm-hmm. the, the fireplace. And uh, there's just something like very cinematic about that moment. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like some movies would play that just as the owl dropping off the letter. And then, it, you know, we've seen that scene play out a million times, but never quite in that way, in the way that the no. movie does it. And there's a lot of instances like that. Like th- there's yeah. just uh, every thought is put into uh, every consideration is put into making uh, mundane scenes feel interesting and cinematic. It, it is just going is, to the zoo. Yeah. Right. It is the most fantastical of every uh, the fantastical version of every scene in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, I, I 
I don't know how much credit goes to Rowling and how much credit goes to Columbus. I, I imagine, though, most of the credit goes to Rowling. It, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, you always have to separate the movie and the book. You yeah. always do. I mean, yeah, she probably came up with a lot of the ideas, but you can have a lot of great ideas on a text. That does not mean you can visualize it properly. Yeah. And I also have to stress just how wonderfully cinematic this is. There's a reason why adults do love this movie so much. Why, again, I don't know many people who dislike this movie and yeah. that doesn't, that does include many and many of adults, <laughs> but, um, uh, this movie is just, like came out at a, at a time right before like the things that I grew up on sort of died, like, like music in movies. This movie next to Lord of the Rings has one of the great theme songs, one of the last great theme songs, you know, ever written, you know, after this movie, you don't really see a lot of that anymore. It's true. It also does an opening title. To, with with wondrous the uh, effect, which is something a lot of movies gave up on, they just kind of show the title and they move on. Mm-hmm. And this movie says, "Nope, here we are, guys. We are in the universe of Harry Potter," yep. and it goes from there. And it's so sweeping. It's again for 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 everything that this movie's going for, for the tone and for where these characters are at in their lives. I think it's very appropriate. If they had kept this style going throughout the entire series it would have been disastrous but if you continue to watch these movies you will discover that they change drastically yeah i i sort of got that sense because i've seen the trailers for the last couple movies and it just they feel like two completely different stories well they do it so well though it's very it's and they are though it's very it's a very natural progression because it's about these characters growing up yeah and facing very real problems that one of the reasons i love both this movie and the rest of the series is that like the things that the characters deal with i mean a lot of times are just a- allegories for stuff that we would face in elementary school or high school mm. you know there's there's even an entry that you could interpret as Harry's issues with drugs to a certain extent. Mm. I mean, it gets really mature as it goes along. So this is just the first introduction to like, 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 again, I guess like forcing yourself to grow up, you know, at the start of it anyway. And then yeah. it gets even more mature. Yeah. Um, it, it just, you bum me out this week, Adam, you bum Why? me out J- because I am never going to love it the way that, some people love it. You're also never going to love Lord of the Rings the way that most people Yeah, but love at Lord least like I saw that one as a kid and I just didn't vibe with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case here. I think there is a universe where I would vibe with this. Yeah. I think you should watch the rest of the movies. I have no interest in watching the rest of the movies. You should do it. I think you would I be I don't the- feel compelled to. I think you would if you got to uh, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. I, I don't think Chamber of Secrets is going to do anything for you. It's not it, Chamber of Secrets is I, I I mean I love all of them, but Chamber of Secrets is not one of the better ones. But well, if, as long as you can get to Prisoner of Azkaban, I think you'll go from there because the, literally, I mean, if if you don't like Goblet of Fire, you're just you just you're an idiot. I mean, that's Corone, right? So no, no, Prisoner of Azkaban, Azkaban is Corone. Yeah, Corone. Yeah. So and then Goblet of Fire is just like one of the great action movies ever made. Okay. Um. Well, here's one problem: they're all two and a half hours, so. Mm-hmm. That's a struggle. Yes. <laughs> Even this one was a struggle. And I uh, I really have to train myself to not view these movies through that context of just hating Harry Potter fans, which yes. is, by the way, my reality for 25 years on this planet. This is the thing that bothers me, though. I have no issue with Harry Potter fans. Okay. Harry Potter fans are the only fandom that, while annoying, they're not volatile 
to me and they're not mean spirited whatsoever. They're just weird and they have a genuine love for this stuff. Right. And they don't, they don't want to like stab you in the back or anything. You know, they're just kind of goofy. Whereas like Star Wars fans are nasty. Yes. And they want the worst for you if you disagree with them on certain things. And Trekkie fans just want to be left alone. So Harry Potter fans kind of hit that nice medium where they're sociable and they love what they love and they want to tell you that they love this thing, but they're not going to kill you over it. I just have a hard time hearing the line, I'm a Gryffindor and not cringing. (laughs) You know what I mean? You you got to the sorting hat sequence and you're like, oh uh, god! Just seeing all and they're applauding when they I'm a Slytherin. It's like a stop. You didn't appreciate the moment where it was getting put on Malfoy's head and then it didn't even get all the way and he said Slytherin. No, like look, there's movies no because that's little. that's not fucking funny to me, Ben. I don't know what that oh, means. God. I don't know why it's supposed to be funny that he is so obviously a Slytherin. Little touches like that, man. It's great. Yeah. What you didn't all- like, Alan Rickman? Seeing all that stuff that I heard about for years, mm-hmm. Cloak of Invisibility, the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, ha- Hagrid, the big yes. bearded man and the dog with the three heads and all this stuff that I knew was coming and now I'm finally seeing it in practice and uh, I, I don't I don't quite know what the sensation is, <sighs> but it's it's almost like seeing... Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's almost like seeing the Wizard of Oz, the man, before seeing the wizard. What do you mean? It's almost seeing the man behind the curtain first. I like did it in the wrong order. It's like I learned about the bare bones and I knew too much. Oh. And then I saw the product and now it's impossible to see the product out of that context. Yeah, but I had the same experience with Game of Thrones and the only thing that I disliked was season eight and Amelia Clark and that was it. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't you're, know. you're not like fantasy is just I don't know what happened to you as a kid, but fantasy <laughs> just was never a part of your life. Like anything fantastical, like the only thing you got was like Star Wars, I guess. But that's right. like that's mildly fantastic. An old crone put a curse on me as a kid. It's, it's very strange. You should really keep watching these movies. I was though. abducted by a Wiccan. Yep. I promise you that if we do the year of uh, 2011, which we will, of course, mm-hmm. um, I am going to nominate uh, um, Deathly Hollows Part Two because it's fantastic. So you bet <sighs> you're going to need to watch these movies in that time. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, let's get to this. Yeah. So yeah, you have. Uh, you have a certain amount of time to convince me that it's not Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, let me be very clear. I am putting my foot down and I will not be inducting Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. This is not going to happen. Why? So there is, I'm not letting these things into the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. Why? Because I have part ownership of this thing and I am not putting in a movie that I don't like. You have to sometimes. I've, I've said that in the back. We've ne- we have never done that. We have always said, man, if one of us Ugh. doesn't like the movie, we're not putting it in. Oh my God. And we have made exceptions for movies that we consider important and impactful. I would say those are the two most impactful movies on the list. We have said in the past, there have been movies that are like Titanic, for example, is like a movie that we both like a lot and is one of the most important. And yeah, and I also, re- I kind of re- ever made, but we made I also an regret that decision though. <laughs> I have never put in a movie that I don't like, and I've never forced you to put in a movie that you don't like. Yes, I, you have. No, which one? Name one. There, there have been instances prior where I've just been like, okay, Name whatever. one. I'd have to go back. We've done so many. <laughs> that you actively don't like. 
a movie that you don't care for is there i I don't think there is one that i didn't care for i'll pull up the list right now i have the list on letterboxd yeah you'd have to go through it i mean i didn't i mean i was fine with ferris bueller i liked it but that was not my choice i'm not talking about what your choice is we've disagreed on the choice several you, you just mean like don't care for it all? I'm, there, I'm saying there are exceptions for movies that we don't like. If, if, if I don't like a movie I'm, or you don't like a movie, I'm not going to force you to put it in. Okay. Well, the, the question is what are the other options on this list though? Because it's not Mulholland Drive. I'm not putting that one in. I'm looking at this right now. There, there's not a single movie here that you don't care for that we put in. There's not a single one. I'm looking at it right now. What about a movie that you didn't care for? No, even Seven Samurai, I enjoyed. Mm. I went with you on Seven Samurai. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went with you on, uh, on Zillig. I went, I went with you on a number of these. It should be Lord of the Rings. I am open to making a deal. Ugh. But I understand that, like, I, I would much rather put one of the other four in. I would much rather. What would be your next choice after those two? Harry Potter. After those two, after Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Oh, uh, what what are the options again? Spirited Away, Beautiful Mind, Mahalan Drive, Ocean's Eleven. Spirited Away. <sighs> Can you make an argument for Ocean's Eleven being the most iconic heist mm. movie of all time? No. Do you not think it's one of the most iconic heist movies of all time? No, I don't. What would the best heist movie of all time be? God, I don't know. It's not that one, though. <laughs> I think it's probably, I mean, I mean, you could maybe make an argument for The Sting. I know it's a, and a Sting film, it, but it's... Con Man movie, not a heist Con movie. Man movie, yeah. Uh, Heat? Well, I guess... Heat? Uh, is it better? Heat, Heat is more iconic. I would probably say Inception is more iconic. That's a heist movie. The Killing, I guess? No, that's not iconic at all. <laughs> I don't care about. I don't care if it's the most iconic movie. It's not the best by a long shot. Okay, we can cross off a beautiful mind, correct? Yeah, and you can cross off Ocean's Eleven. And you don't. Let me put it this way: you don't like Mahalan Drive, so I will not make an argument. <laughs> I'm extending an olive branch, <laughs> even though it is my favorite movie of the year. Look, compromise. It's how democracy works, Adam. Okay, <laughs> I'll cross it off. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's the thing. This is what I'll say. Um, if you want to go Spirited Away, I'll go with you on Spirited Away. If okay. you want the other two, if you want one of the other two to get in, we have to negotiate. <laughs> so either you give me something or we go Spirited Away and we shake hands. That is up to you. Nah, I think I'd be better with one of the other two. <laughs> All right, make your offer then. Hot stuff. What do you mean? What's my offer? <laughs> go ahead. Which movie would I rather have in? Which one means more to me? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear what's in it for me. I will say this: um, if we put in Fellowship of the Ring, how about this? If we put in Fellowship of the Ring, I will not nominate another Lord of the Rings film ever. We already did 2002. So, what about 2003? I would nominate Return of the King. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm not impressed. What else you got? That's it, man. <laughs> That's all I could say. That's your offer? <laughs> I will never talk about another, I don't know, fucking Peter Jackson film. <laughs> That's your offer? What do you want from me? What am I going to say? No, what, I you want, want power. I want you power. Want a- <laughs> you want autonomy for one? Oh, hell yeah, I want autonomy. 
Hell yeah. Do you want to pick the year? Pick the year? Yeah, you could pick the year that you have autonomy over. Oh. Here's what I want. What? Next year we pick. Okay. I not only want to nominate all six movies, <laughs> I also want to pick which one gets in. Okay. I want you having no say. <laughs> no say in the matter. Uh, oh, how about this? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I take... No. Here. Eh, no, no. Counter. Wait a minute. I also want to be able to veto one of your nominations at some point in the future. Oh, okay, okay. I want That's to veto. Uh, I mean, yeah, I could live with that. Autonomy for next week and veto power sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Dems the terms. Dems the terms? Yeah, fine. Then congratulations to Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring for yeah. your <laughs> spot in the movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> And I'm sorry to the listeners of this program. Yeah. <laughs> for the sins against humanity I committed. The sins against humanity. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. You're not making any sense. I'm, in no, this I'm so, no, I'm sorry that I don't like the things that you like. I no. acknowledge I am committing sins against humanity. <laughs> okay. It is. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. You should continue watching Harry Potter though. Like I said, because eventually Deathly Hollows Part 2 is going to get nominated. I think you could make a case that Spirited Away is actually the best movie on this list. Yes, you could. I think you're right. And I think that would have been a much more interesting choice. But Fine, whatever. I don't care. Okay. You you can't always get what you want, dude. But you do get what you need. (laughs) (laughs) I got what I needed. (laughs) Give me a year, real quick. Okay, oh boy, a year. Let's take a look here. I don't fucking know. 70s? Should we go back to the 70s? Do you want to try the 70s? What have we missed in the 70s? 78? We haven't done 78. Okay. Then let's do it. So I'm nominating all of these? Yep. Okay. Let's see what's in 1978. Hopefully there's a movie that you love that I can keep off and it'll upset you. (laughs) Yeah, there's a few. (laughs) there's There's an obvious one I know for you. All right, 1978 movies. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, I see. Okay, got it. All right, let's go Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go Halloween. Mm-hmm. Let's... Ooh. Ooh. It's not a great year, actually. Pretty bad year. Yeah. But the last waltz is on here. Oh, really? Yeah, no. I want to save that for when we do Rock Ducks, though. Yeah, me too. Ooh, the Lord of the Rings is on here. <laughs> <laughs> the cartoon? Yeah. This is a fucking awful year. Yeah, it's really bad. We don't have to do this one. Yeah, this one sucks. There's like a cool, full, like... There's a, a few like decent ones, but like not a lot of great ones. Pick another one. Yeah, that's not yeah. So I good. want autonomy over another year. This one sucks. Oh boy. Okay. Um, What's maybe seventy? 
73? Did we do 73 yet? Why don't we do 72? Oh, you bitch. <laughs> oh, you fucking blow. You suck, dude. Yeah, you saw that one coming. Uh, 71 it is. Let's do 71. <laughs> oh, okay. Have we done 71? Hold on. I don't know. I'm sorry. This is dragging everyone. Yeah, uh, okay. Okay. We, yeah. we never come prepared for this one. All right. 71. 71. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> Clockwork Orange. Okay. French Connection. Harold and Maud. Mm-hmm. Um. Ooh. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You gotta nominate Willy Wonka and the Chocolate. Ooh, the last picture show. I like that one. Dirty Harry, I guess. Got to go in. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, I've never seen the last picture show. It's really good. All right, I'll do last picture show. And you're saying Willy Wonka should be the last one? I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, why not? That's. I mean, that's probably the only other pick. Oh, McCabe and Miss Miller. Oh, I missed that one. That's a good one. Never seen. Robert Altman. I really like it. Oh, you hate Altman. I only... No, I mean, I like MASH and I like this one. I just don't like Nashville. Do you want to talk about your take on the MASH theme? <laughs> Dude, that's another can of worms. We're late. How, how fucking long have we... We've been recording over two hours. I don't, run, I don't want to record for another hour, Okay. <laughs> All on I will say cents, on Two Cents Radio this week, <sighs> Rob, Nick, and I voted for Hawaii Five O over Mash <laughs> in our television theme song bracket, and I was shocked beyond belief that the fact that you guys thought that that was a good idea. What well, is the matter with you? Willy Wonka is my last nominee. <sighs> okay, good. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, seriously, I'm done with the, I'm <laughs> done with this pot. <laughs> this is a bumpy ride. <laughs> Jesus Christ. As predicted, this was a bumpy podcast. Uh, I can't do this. Oh, I love you so very much. Uh, stay safe, everybody. Hang in there. Mm-hmm. We're, it's almost over, right? Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. It's definitely not. But hang in anyway. Uh, if you're having a hard time paying the rent or you know paying for groceries or staying afloat, just know we're all in the same boat. Actually, mm. some of us are in the same boat. Others no. of us are rich <laughs> and are totally unaffected by this. That's completely correct. But, uh, you know, most of us are having a hard time out there and, uh, you know, just hang in. It's going to be all right. I would love to get a perspective of the rich folk right now. You know whose perspective I don't want? The rich. What? No, I would love it. I don't fucking care how Bill Gates is doing. I care so much about the rich folk right now, Nico. I, I really don't care, man. They're being <laughs> sent like COVID tests before everybody else. Do you sense my sarcasm? At Some, all? Somehow Idris Elba <laughs> is, is gets a test without having any symptoms. What? But a bunch of people just like can't get it. I don't oh, know. that sucks. All right. Well, it's all right. Fuck them. Fuck them all. <laughs> fuck them all. Uh, wash your hands. Take care. And until next time. I award 10 points to Neville Longbottom. Oh, God.
Oh, what a disaster. 